Ladies and gentlemen, jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. Ladies and gentlemen, to this episode of the Hagman and Hagman Report, we're coming to you live from our radio and television studios here in northwest Pennsylvania. Windy, blustery, windy, 50 miles, 60 mile an hour winds, actually. Um, yeah, so yeah, if we get cut off air mid-sentence, so, you know why. That's right. I think half the power in the city has been out all day, and uh, we've been fortunate to have ours continue to work. So, yeah. But we do have a wind advisory yeah. until after the show's over. So, And we also have a problem... Um, this has not happened to us before. Uh, we have an issue where the software for the studio that we use is not syncing up with YouTube. So we're, we're not gonna, you'll have this on YouTube. However, it's going to be delayed. It'll be up later. Um, so I can't even speak to anyone going on YouTube because there's no one there. Um, I guess if you're not, if, if you're, well, if you're listening to this, then, you, then you're in the right place. If you're not listening to this and wondering why you're not listening to this, why am I even talking to you? <laughs> anyway, uh, we, we've got a great show lined up for you right now. Lisa Haven, lisahaven.news. I, by the way, I want to remind everyone, um, go ahead and despite the uh, troubles here with YouTube, I don't, I don't know. I mean, is it a conspiracy? Oh, geez. Um, uh, do subscribe to our YouTube channel. Just go to HagmanReport.com and subscribe to their YouTube channel and uh, follow us on our social networking sites. That does raise our visibility uh, as well. And, uh, of course, our guest, Lisa Haven from LisaHaven.News. Uh, follow her as well. She's got uh, just a tremendous website with a lot of content on it right now. You know, one thing, uh, the blood in the streets, uh, Loretta Lynch, round two. Look what she did to President Trump. That's the top. Uh, on her website as well as Vault 7, which apparently doesn't exist, at least not according to CNN. And, um, well, yeah, uh, you know how that goes. It's uh, fake news, apparently. Anyway, Joe, I'm going to toss it to you. Uh, again, we're dark on YouTube, but why well, am I even mentioning that? Because anyone yeah, going to YouTube, anyway. that's right. So. Yeah, great to be here tonight. we got a, a fantastic show lined up for you. Um we got a guest each hour, and we're going to be hitting some news and current events with our first guest, Lisa Haven. Uh, she's been on before, and she's joining us to, to talk about a number of things. Her website is lisahavennews.net. Always a crowd pleaser. Absolutely. Ms. Haven, welcome back to the show. Well, well, glad to be here. Thanks for having me back on. It's your fault. It's your fault. Say. So, uh, have to blame it, blame it on you. I know. It's, it's, we'll blame it on the NSA. It's their fault. There we go. That, that, that's right. Uh, <laughs> that's right. Dang NSA. Speaking of the NSA, the non-existent, according to CNN and, and the MSM, uh, Vault Seven. Um, interesting releases. Apparently, the uh, apparently a lot of people owe the conspiracy-minded an apology. Yeah, we'll wait for that from you, Nimrods out there. Okay, Lisa. I'll tell you what. I started off the show really in a kind of a crusty, uh, added with a crusty attitude last night. And I don't want to do that tonight. So, um, 
just bring your smiling face on and your chipper, uh, your chipper self and start wherever you want because there's no shortage of news. What's on your radar right now? No, actually, there is a ton of stuff, like you said, from Vault 7, you know, WikiLeaks dropping that big number, and once again, the mainstream lying media, CNN saying not a word. Uh, ergo, the reason they are fake to the core. Uh, the scandal with Loretta Lynch, uh, that's, that's a nice one. Maybe we'll start there. Um, okay. For, for those who haven't heard, I mean, this woman, she just, she gets, she's always given me the creeps, but, uh, even more so recently, but she came on, um, and I'm sure you, you probably played a clip, uh, before, but the United States Senate Democrat Facebook page on February 28th, the very last day of the month there. And I'm going to just quote what she said verbatim, but it is, it's quote, it has been people, individuals who have banded together, ordinary people who simply saw what needed to be done and came together and supported those ideas who have made the difference. Now, she's expanding on an earlier uh, talk about how we need to get our rights back and quoting the founding fathers, which my stomach was turning because our quoting of the founding fathers and hers... <laughs> Versus whole demented. I'm like, what rights are you talking about, lady? But needless to say, she goes on to say they have marched, talking about the past, you know, and they have bled. And yes, some of them have even died. This is hard. Every good thing is. We have done this before. And quote, we can do this again. <laughs> so. <laughs> What she's basically done is said, look, people in the past, they've died, they've bled, they, they've marched, they, you know, causing trouble. I mean, obviously, we had 1776, this is what happened, but those people stood for our freedom. Well, she's saying, we can go back and do that again, uh, talking about bloodshed and protesting and marching in order to stop Donald Trump. <laughs> I'm like, hmm. She just, she's just promoted violence on the U.S. Senate Democratic Facebook page. I mean, that's what it is. And what I found even more hilarious is I went to, you know, Snopes.com. I don't even know why I go there. (laughs) (laughs) But I I did. Uh, Maybe more for a laugh, right? But oh, yeah. I went there and, and the story they said, is it true that Loretta Lynch said she wanted to start blood in the streets, blah, blah, blah. Well, no, she was only referencing stuff that happened in the past. And I'm like, can I slap them over the head? What does we can do this again mean? <laughs> you know? Exactly. Yeah. So, and I just have to say, uh, for, for the people listening out there, Snopes is, is run or funded by, uh, leftist progressives, uh, George Soros, they are from Mickelson and his new wife, the stripper wife, right? I believe. I don't know. Uh, they're funded, are they not, by Soros? Tides Foundation? I, I, I believe they might be, yes. I know it's a, a just a, a woman who's a cat woman uh, <laughs> who started it out of her house or in her. Her and her husband there, but yeah, I, I mean, she's she gets a lot of leftist funding to get it together and get it started, and that's the thing. And I mean, it, it's just a joke. Uh, I mean, they say the new world order doesn't exist. They say you know anything that fits the left the left paradigm uh, there, and I find it 
it's just it's just silly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I didn't mean to take you off stream there. Um, yeah, I know that uh, there have been several websites that claim that uh, Snopes is heavily financed by George Soros, and um, of course, questioning the uh, integrity and well, questioning the uh, agenda. I guess that's the better term of the. Uh, Mickelson, I guess is the last name, the people behind it. Uh, anyway, okay, yeah. So, yeah, so Loretta Lynch just going out there and, of course, oh my, yeah, talking about, uh, bloodshed. And, and, and she, so I, it's just not me. I mean, she is, she is kind of promoting this, isn't she? She is. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what you would call it, 100%. I mean, when when you're talking about bloodshed in the past, let's go ahead and do this again. That's what it means. Uh, but to add a little uh, flame to the fire, I guess, uh, we know Donald Trump came out with his tweets earlier this week saying, you know, that he has been wiretapped by Obama. Well, obviously, I've proved this on a few outlets because it came out in uh, June, I think it was June or July of 2016, Obama submitted to attempt to get, get his phone wiretapped, as we know, which it was denied then because they had no grounds to actually do it. And the chance of that actually being denied is 0.02%. <laughs> like, I looked at some of the figures on that. I'm like, oh, you know, they really have, I mean, it would, it, it's, it's hard to get something denied, but it got denied. Uh, obviously, because there was no evidence. And then in October, we had Obama, you know, reissuing this order, uh, you know, October 2017, in which reportedly, uh, even the New York Times put it out and other, others put it out saying it was, uh, it, it was reportedly granted, you know? Yes. <laughs> so, and, but yet you have the mainstream media still trying to say that that's not the case, it's not going on, and it absolutely did happen. And so now, fast forward a little bit, uh, in order to get that FISA warrant that was signed back in October, well, uh, the Attorney General would have to sign off of that, and that would mean Loretta Lynch had to personally sign off on the FISA warrant to wiretap Donald Trump. <laughs> so, yeah, right, right. Yeah. You know, between her and, and President, you know, former President Obama, he would have had sent the request in and she would have had to, to get it signed. So therefore, they were both in on the action there. So in addition to her calling for bloodshed, here she is also signing the wiretap to get Donald Trump's, you know, Trump Tower tapped there without any really solid evidence. To do so, so I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that up, and I just want to mention your statistics on the rejections of FISA warrant applications. Right on the money, uh, started in 1979. The court itself, the FISA surveillance court, um, through 2015, they approved uh, 38,169 FISA applications, rejected only 12 out of that uh, number. So uh, that's over a 36-year period. And um, and you're also correct, and and a lot of people are, are are hanging their hats on some misinformation. FISA is national security. Uh, Article three courts, uh, the federal courts, that is a criminal uh, side of things. So, having said that, uh, and, and by the way, a sitting president can and may conduct surveillance on his own. Uh, all he has to do via FISA is file a certification with the Attorney General. And that is a lawful uh, maneuver uh, by congressional statute of, of the FISA 
procedure. So you're right. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. So, um, and by the way, uh, Clopper, DNI Clopper had testified in front of, uh, Senator Ron Wyden back on March 12th of, uh, 2013. I believe 2013, maybe. Anyway, he lied under oath with respect to, uh, uh, you know, whether or not the, uh, surveillance was all encompassing over all of the citizenry. And, and of course, Vault 7 has proved that, uh, otherwise. So, okay. Didn't mean to, didn't mean to filibuster there, but I just want to pass that along. No, it's a, it's a good pass along, especially with, you know, the revelation of Vault 7. We know, uh, they've dumped their, their first part of that. They dumped it just, you know, Tuesday, March 2017. That's this year. Uh, and it's named Vault 7 by WikiLeaks, but, uh, it's comprised of 8,761 documents and files from all over the CIA. And, you know, I've, I've read through, not all the portions on it, but I've read through some of WikiLeaks notes on it. Obviously, there's a lot to go through. Uh, but some of the things that they're doing are things that you warned about years ago. I know I've heard it on your channel. Uh, I warned about it years ago. I mean, everything from Samsung. Uh, I remember doing a report on Samsung TV watching their viewers, your smart TV there. And so we really, I really feel like we're living out of the pages of George Orwell's book, 1984. And that's what I feel that we're at. I mean, especially with the release of the CIA information from WikiLeaks. I mean, this whole entire thing has really put in perspective what our government is doing and, and, and corrupt and I believe illegally on so many levels. But in that report, WikiLeaks specifically says this. It says the CIA has created, in effect, its own NSA. A, with even less accountability and without publicly answering the question as to whether such a massive budgetary spend on duplicating the capabilities of a rival agency could be justified, end quote. I mean, <laughs> let's just mimic what the NSA is already doing, but have less oversight so we can have more monitoring over you, more surveillance over me, more, uh, you know, have our hands in more things without having to answer it to people. And this is exactly what the CIA has done. And somebody or somebody's many people need to be in jail over this. I mean, the amount of stuff that they are doing it's crazy. I mean, they're hacking into our iPhones, our Google Androids, our computers. Uh, you know, and Edward Snowden leaked a ton of this already. Uh, but here now we actually have the tangible documents as well. So it's just adding on to the pile of things that have already come out, but even blowing up even more because now we don't just have one NSA department doing it. Now we've got two departments. And guess who's funding it? You and I. <laughs> you know, it, yeah, about. that's the sad part of it. We are, and we, yeah, and, and you know what? No one is going to stop. I, I'm convinced no one is going to stop paying taxes. You know, through, uh, no one's going to stand up and say we're not going to do this anymore. We're just going to bend over and take it, and, and and that's sadly that's. And another interesting thing about the uh, WikiLeaks CIA files is that they're saying only one percent or less than one percent of the documents have been released. And if that's true, there is going to be a lot of stuff um, that is coming out and information that's coming out about what's going on. And and you're right, you know, it makes all the people, you know, who I was telling our 
tech Eric earlier this earlier, all the people who, you know, wallpapered their house and ceilings with aluminum foil don't seem so crazy now. But the the dangers are more uh, widespread than that. And James Comey today came out and made a interesting statement uh saying that the Americans don't have there's no such thing as absolute privacy in America. And then he gave some examples and then he every time he said something he backed it up with, Well a judge could get a warrant to get you to or somebody else to say this and put it in the context of a of a court hearing or you know, being done legally with warrants where we know a lot of what's going on with the CIA and what was just released, uh they don't use warrants for this stuff. And and you pointed this out, Lisa. See the CIA is out of control. NSA capabilities and department essentially by the CIA which is they've got no business no charter I mean that's not part of their charter no not at all here's here's a couple examples that I read and I want to re- read them to the viewers out there because this kind of stuff is scary especially when you know you do what we do like we know that you know uh, assassination attempts have uh, happened on journal- journalists. It's happened to journalists already. Uh, Michael Hastings, Breitbart, to, to name a few. And here is just in your face some of this stuff. And, and I'm going to read another quote from WikiLeaks. I think this one is important. But as of October 2014, the CIA also was looking at infecting the vehicle control system used by modern cars and trucks. The purpose of such a control is not specified, obviously, uh, but it would permit the CIA to engage in nearly undetectable assassinations. Undetectable assassinations via your vehicle, via your modern cars, your trucks. And this is something that the CIA uh, is already looking into, and I believe is doing, and this is back from 2014. Can you imagine uh, the power just to give an organization power like that here. Let me hack into your car and kill you off because you said something I didn't want her. That's yeah. And, and I truly believe the more I look into things, especially the Michael Hastings, uh, situation, uh, I, I know that he, he, he wanted to trade cars, I believe with his girlfriend or somebody before that accident. And I, I guess that didn't happen, but nonetheless, yeah, you've got this capability and I, and and that's why yeah well there it is it's it's no it's it's no conspiracy theory it's it's uh it's fact and well then people but you know people will say lisa that oh well just because they had the capability didn't mean that they did it well okay hmm. right yeah right but the thing is, it's not, it's not to be pushed, put past them that they don't do sure, it. Absolutely. Because we know very evidently so that it does happen and is happening. Never at any time should they be given a remote control of that nature. Um, to our smartphones, to our TVs, or God forbid, like our cars now. I mean, really? No one should have access or the capability to hack into your vehicle or my vehicle and take control of it. That's something we, uh, should have control of. And, you know, they're, they're so, and if we take into consideration, this is just in the first data dump, uh, 
I mean, uh, it, it even gets into, you know, again, the TVs, how they have a fake off mode where you believe it's off when it's really on and it operates as that sort of bug recording conversations in your room. Same thing with your iPhones. Obviously, we've known this for some time, but now we have the tangible evidence. It's not only the NSA, it's the CIA and they're doing whatever the hell they want. Uh, you know, our, our, we, our, our iPhones, they'll hack in our geolocation, our cameras, our microphones. And the whole nine yards. So it's as if we've just kicked our privacy out the door. And so there is nothing secret anymore. There is nothing hidden anymore. And, you know, to to be a journalist in today's day and age, it's getting difficult. Uh, you know, I don't know if you've ever got, you know, death threats. I'm sure you do. But I have a couple times. Oh, somebody told me that they ordered a, let me see the, the latest one, oh, the wet works on somebody with the initial LH in this area, which so happened to be the area I was in, which I don't, you know, normally share publicly. <laughs> so I'm like, good grief. Welcome so to the club. I, I mean, it's an elite club, by the way. And, and, and don't understand, and I, Lisa, I want to just tell you this. I, I, the listeners out there, all right? Uh, f- folks, you gotta understand, Lisa Haven is an intrepid, tough lady, okay? She can handle herself. But let me tell you, you know, you get death threats, and, and it's, it's, uh, we get death threats. Lisa gets death threats. I, I mean, everyone, uh, Hodges and others get death threats. And 99.9% of the time, they're just stupid. You know, no one's gonna act on it. But man, you gotta go through them and you gotta assess whether or not they're, you know, but but that sounds, Lisa, like okay. You know, that sounds a little bit different. Go go on, tell us more, because we we together collectively and individually are doing this at a, at, a, at a price. Yes, well, that the only you know, I'll ignore ones left and right because they have like you know, like you said, ninety nine percent of them and whatever. But the only reason this particular latest one stuck out to me was because they knew the location that I lived in. Uh, or lived in recently. I mean, I, I only moved, you know, a little bit ago. And I'm like, well, that's kind of weird because I don't share that. I don't put it on a public out, you know, outlet. Um, and, you know, I have, you know, you know, it's, there's just, there's, there's more to it. So it's like that one kind of, you know, gave me the chills. <laughs> I'm like, gosh, I don't even know, but it was more of a warning. Somebody told me that, um, they put the wet works out for somebody with the initials LH in this area. So it was just one of those things. And I looked at the guy's profile and he just seemed like, you know, someone who, you know, liked to go on trips and all that. He didn't seem like anything other than that, but it does get tough, you know, but at the same time, I guess, you know, well, I'm going to continue to get out the information that I need to get out. And, you know, some of those, you know, it's good to get out publicly in case anything ever does happen. <laughs> you know, I guess. Well, well, yeah, yeah, and I'm glad you did. Uh, is, is that, you know, is it still operative? I mean, this particular threat, if I can ask, or? Well, I just got it a couple of days ago. Okay. All so, right. yeah. I don't, I'm not sure what to do with it at this point. So I'm like, well, I'll just, you know, tell some people and I'm good to go, you know, I guess. But. You, you know, I got an email from someone who was reading some ignorant, uh, ignoramus's blog. 
you know, this uh, meaningless individual who sits behind a computer, does nothing but uh, but yap and complain about things. And they said, well, you know, if you got a death threat, then you should report it to, to the police. Yeah, have you tried that? I mean, seriously, have you tried? You're on the radio, and basically, what, what the, the police uh, we don't do it anymore because they just say, well, what do you expect? What do you what do you want us to do about it? Number one, what do you expect? Um, they spoof the headers, or you know, if it comes via email, they spoof the headers and uh, munch the headers, or whatever you want to call it. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's nothing you can do. It, uh, so it just amazes me. And by the way, uh, harassment too. You know, when we speak out against the anti-homosexual agenda, we'll, we'll get used condoms in the mail. You speak out against, uh, you know, um, whatever agenda you get, or the abortion agenda you get. The, um, well, I won't get graphic, but but you know, people don't understand what's behind or the the, the price. And there is a price that you pay for this. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, there is. And I mean, and it's good sometimes, you know, you know, we have to stick together in that battle. And, but there's, I think it brings some seriousness to what we do. I mean, we are delving through information, like with the WikiLeaks, uh, mainstream media won't touch the subject. And we have people who were trying to wake up on that other side because they're so brainwashed, they're so asleep, and they sit in front of that TV and they think everything CNN says or MSNBC or CBS says is kosher, and they take it like it's written part of the law, even though those same people say, yeah, I don't believe everything they say on the television is true, yet they really deep down kind of do. That's what I've noticed with people. I'm like, well, if you really think that they're lying to you, why do you believe now what they say and, and, and you know, put it as, as its truth? And I think it's just because, you know, there is that sense of, well, my bubble looks pretty good, and that's too much drama, too much stress, or whatever their reasoning behind that is. But it's hurting our country uh, when 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 we have you know somebody decent sitting in office here who is attempting to make headway, and then we have you know coups being initiated by the former administration. Uh, that's not spoken about on any mainstream media site, but that's that's what I believe is going on. Uh, and there's all these attacks against Donald Trump, all these attacks against patriots, against uh, media for sure. And they've upped that like a lot. Uh, I've never seen the amount of attacks this year as I have any other year prior and they increase towards the end of the year. And I think that's because Donald Trump got elected and obviously he's got some nationalistic patriotic views that they don't like. And he's, as far as I know, you know, against the new world order and standing against uh, the new world order here. And so they don't like that. And now I don't think they really thought he could make it in, but he's there and they're mad because we helped get him there. No, you're exactly right. They're very mad, and they are not backing down without a fight, and they're continuing to find new angles and ways to intensify their fight. Folks, we're talking with Lisa Haven on this segment of the Hagman Report. She's going to be with us until the end of this hour, so don't go anywhere. Uh, again, folks, uh, join on, on Global Star Radio Network or Blog Talk Radio as our YouTube is down. We will put the archive of this up on YouTube um, later tonight or tomorrow, though. We'll be right back with Lisa Haven after this.
Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. In a thrilling series of novels, T.C. Joseph takes us into the lives of three families who struggle to maintain normal lives in a world where conspiracy theory and Bible prophecy collide. T.C. Joseph's viewpoint of alternative history and understanding of prophetic events will change your view of the world and the events on our horizon. Kirkus Review states, Readers of end times fiction will be hard-pressed to find it done more intriguingly than this. Extremely readable and fast-paced. Blue Wink Reviews boldly states, Fans of Tim LaHaye's Left Behind series and Tom Parada's The Leftovers will find this thought-provoking series absolutely riveting. Order your copies of T.C. Joseph's This Generation series from Amazon.com. Book 1, Precipice. Book 2, Pentecost. And Book 3, Penance. In these uncertain times, it makes sense to have a sustainable backup method to cook food and boil water. If your current plan includes using a fuel-burning stove or cooking over an open fire, then there's a much better way. The Miniman Rocket Stove is a biomass-burning cooking stove that only requires small quantities of sticks and twigs for fuel. The Miniman Stove is easy to use, smokeless, portable, powerful, and sustainable. For the finest in survival cooking stoves and fire starters made right here in the USA, go to MinutemanStove.com. That's MinutemanStove.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden. Exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Our guest is Lisa Haven, Lisa Haven News, or Lisa Haven.news. I'm sorry, Lisa Haven.news. Um, very popular, extremely popular on the internet, a truth teller, a truth seeker, truth teller, and of course, her wonderful companion, Diesel. Gotta love, gotta love the duo. And, uh, <laughs> we're dog people here. A lady of the studio dogs looking at me saying, well, what are you talking about here? Uh, let me see a picture. Anyway, LisaHaven.news. That's LisaHavenNews.net. Or, uh, nope. no? news. LisaHaven.news. I thought I, thought I was okay. right. Thank you. <laughs> All right. There we go. Uh, anyway, it's linked directly off of HagmanReport.com. HagmanReport.com is our primary site. And, um, of course, uh, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, which right now, yeah, you know, we're not on it. But 
subscribe anyway. Um, Lisa Haven again is is telling us about uh, well, in the, right before the break, she was talking about the issues that uh, she faced is facing, and, and these are serious issues. I, I did want to mention that I'm I'm restarting a uh, or the Northeast Intelligence Network as a group of uh, investigators restarting that infiltration of groups. I'm not going to get too too detailed, but infiltration of groups uh, like uh, resist fascism and other these other seditious groups. Covert investigators volunteering their time to uh, to get the goods, and the, this initiative is, is going to be spelled out on my old old website, which is coming back. That's homelandsecurityus.com. But having said that, uh, during the break, at least I were talking about uh, the threats against her, against her life, and I just want to mention real quick. Uh, I had a, and I mentioned this. I think might have might have mentioned this on air, but you know, you're you're sitting at home with your wife get a knock on the door, it's dark out you look out and there's two guys in suits and they come in and they ask to talk to you and yeah okay what's up and they uh, put a couple of photographs down on your dining room table and they say you know see this, these two guys right here, you want to be careful because you were talking about them on a recent broadcast you wrote about them and ain't too happy with you and uh, one of the two happened to be the guy that beheaded his wife at Bridges Television Station, he's now serving life in prison that's the reality oh and by the way as far as security is concerned they just said good luck with that good luck with that we ain't going to help you but good luck carry on but Lisa yes so you're in that same position in a a way you're in that I mean you're you're so we ask everyone to pray for Lisa and certainly for her safety and for the safety of her and her family and and uh, but, but but you must be over the target then Apparently, uh, I've hit a few hot button lately, obviously, but, you know, a lot of what I do, I, I try to get, you know, the, they, they have a lot of documents you can get through, through the Freedom of Information Act. Uh, so I try to go through those bit by bit. I mean, and, and a lot of them are out there for the public now, and, and you can go through them, but the government just doesn't expect you to read through it all, I guess. And so the bigger my channel gets, I guess the more things come out of, of the bandwagon there, <laughs> as you know, and you're, you're even bigger than, you know, me uh, as far as radio and all that is concerned. You, you guys are amazing and I love everything about what you do. And so, you know, when I started, you know, back in 2013 is actually when I, when I started doing this more hardcore versus just for like a personal thing, you know, cause I kind of was interested in it all my life. Uh, but I'm just noticing the bigger you grow, the more the trolls, the more the attacks, the more um, that you get information and you have inside information from people. You meet other people who are uh, doing certain things and you just get more of the picture of the overall agenda of what they're really trying to do. And so when you know that you know that you know what's going on, um, you get this heart. And, and I know you guys have it, a passion of heart, a passionate heart to just share the truth and get it out no matter where it lies and no matter what it is and that's kind of where I'm at I'm like okay well fine you know if God puts us in this position and uh, you know I guess if it's your time it's your time God will take you home (laughs) we're going to a better place but in the meantime while we're here I want to do everything I can to make it so my family can stay free, that they can have the freedom of religion, they can serve God if they want, that they're never forced to serve a false god God like Allah or Buddha, you know, and so 
or that they're forced to do something that they don't want to do or to follow someone or whatever the case may be, uh, because freedom isn't free. Freedom must be fought for. You know, that, you, that is so well. In fact, we are going to take what you just said and make that a sound clip, because I think that you said it all right there. We are looking to do this not for ourselves, but for our children, so they don't have to grow up in, in an oppressive more oppressive environment that we can break the the bonds of uh uh the, the chains of bondage that we're about to that you know hey it, they're here already but at least we can mitigate that and even perhaps uh destroy some of those chains and, and that's what, exactly what you're doing for your children and their children um should that be the case and god bless you for that wow it's a it's a that yeah, and, and you're right, you know, when it's our time, it's our time. And that's the way I look at it too, you know, we all look at it that way. Um, and, and I, and I think that God does afford us a hedge of protection as long as we have our heads in the right place and are doing it for the right reasons and, and not being, um, not, not trying to do this just to do it, but to do it for a reason or for a purpose, like, like you had stated. Absolutely. 100% I agree. And, you know, and that's kind of why we do it. We, we're here. We're doing what God wants us to do, what we feel God called us to do. And at the same time, keeping our country free and getting information out. Because, look, if, if truth be told, this corruption has gone on way too long. People in America know it, and they're fed up and sick and tired of it. And now we have this battle within the government going on. We have, you know, the good side of the government. Uh, I believe there's good in there and also the corrupt side. And to a point, we have a, a, ch- a chunk more of the corrupt side because absolute power corrupts absolutely, you know, and that's what some of the levels are within the government. And, you know, if they don't answer to God, then there isn't that. I guess that moral nature there for some of them, and some of them are, are blatantly uh, Satanists, and and they they do these spirit cooking rituals, like we saw. I mean, God's allowing all this stuff to come out, and it's just sickening. I mean, we're seeing stuff from DynCorp, uh, which Hillary Clinton had funds from DynCorp, uh, their parent company, Cerebrus or something like that, uh, who bought them a couple. What was it? Twenty? Ooh, gosh, I, I don't remember the year. Twenty ten, twenty. 14, one of those two. That's <laughs> a big gap. But needless to say, they funneled money to Hillary Clinton, to I think it was Marco Rubio and Paul Ryan. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, and this DynCorp organization we know back in 1999 and 2009 and 2005 all had dealings with, with, uh, you know, raping and, um, doing these, like they had a 12 year old, um, I think it was an Arabic boy do this dance and, and, you know, and, and there's, there's pedophile rings that have been busted within this organization, but that's coming out. There's even cases against that, uh, not to mention pedogate. All that's coming out. And so we have these things that are being brought to the surface that haven't been brought to the surface before that are purely sick, pedo, uh, spirit cooking, all of that. And then in the WikiLeaks emails, we can see, you know, hey, let's spend $65,000 on, what is it, hot dogs? Yeah, okay, right. (laughs) Exactly. That's not going to hot dogs, Obama. We know that. And so I think we're at that time where God is just revealing all of that. And so we're seeing the corruption on massive levels, levels, and now 
we've got a fight on our hands and, you know, I think a spiritual battle for sure, but also, you know, sort of a physical one in that now that the globalists are seeing all their dirt exposed, Obama's seen and exposed, they're going to the level of painting um, their opposition as either A, doing the things that they're actually doing, which we know is, is one of the tactics of the enemy, and B, painting things that aren't even a problem like the whole Russian thing they're making they're pulling this out of their rear end starting you know um, fires out of <laughs> nails if you will because there's nothing that should be uh, you know to call Donald Trump a Russian to call you and I Russian agents or that we're spitting out Russian propaganda there's no grounds to that yeah. absolutely none and there's no evidence that had to be provided they're just saying right. oh you CNN and MSNBC and claim it as such and they'll just believe us. And unfortunately, they're preying on the ignorance of the public. And that's why what we do is so important. Yeah. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, uh, I think proper, uh, proper not through the Washington Post named you as a, as a agent of the Russians, I, I believe. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going back in memory here. This goes back a couple of months. Uh, which is just incredible. They're, they're, it, but yeah, the current, uh, narrative of this, of this Russian, uh, interference, alleged interference with the, uh, elections, that, that, that narrative is, is dying hard. It's, well, it, I might even say it's gonna, it's dying. It's just, it's, uh, being mangled in the media. And of course, tonight at nine o'clock, Rachel Maddow, that, uh, mad cow, uh, lesbian <laughs> dyke that's on MSNBC is gonna be, did I just say that? Um, she, all right. She, yeah, she's going to have this big expose that's going to reveal the, uh, uh, the, the, uh, uh coordination of, uh, her level of coordination between Trump and, uh, Russia, which is just ab- absurd. I see her going to get the bleep button working. Uh, you know what? Uh, yeah, I got to put a dollar in the bad word jar every time I do that. So, yeah, that thing would be, it should be full. Anyway, yeah, uh, but you mentioned DynCorp, and, and I think people don't understand that DynCorp was created at the, the same year, at the same time the CIA was created, and it's been around forever, but it, it's, uh, it's a proprietary corporation that manages and trains U.S. peacekeepers, uh, and they're big on uh, policing actions, and of course they've got the route lines for human and drug trafficking, and into USAID, viruses, vaccines, trafficking, and harvesting. So you're hitting some really important Points that people are not getting the full scope through the media at all. E- even the most intrepid of the journalists that are on the fringe of the, the corporate media are not even touching this. So, yeah. Mm. All right. Well, I mean, I think that's why people are turning more and more to alternative media. They know the mainstream media. They, they didn't. They didn't touch DynCorp when that when all that scandal happened. Not a word. Uh, PizzaGate was obviously they. They didn't talk anything about the emails. Nothing. Uh, and the one that did, Ben Swan, we know he got a big old spanking from <laughs> CBS, and he had his pages taken off temporarily. You know, he was off, and all of a sudden he comes back on air. What a couple weeks after that. I mean, give me a break. Uh, so. You yeah, know, have you, let me ask you, Lisa, have you been censored? Because you've talked about Pizzagate. You've talked about Pedagate. You've talked about all these issues. Have you, have you been censored on, because I've noticed, uh, in fact, I put up some, a couple of postings that never appeared on Facebook. And they were about, directly about Pizzagate. And I was doing a kind of a test. 
the, the keyword. I mean, the, the, it'll, it won't even show up. It'll just, it, it's blitzed. So have you been censored? Uh, well, if I use the word Pizzagate, yes. <laughs> like, so in my title, you can't put it in your title. You can't put it in your taglines. None of that. Um, and now they even have the audio uh, where they'll, you know, hear it in the terms. But when I use it on my show, I'll say, you know, P, P, gay, you know, kind of, or something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because it won't set it off. It won't set the analytics off. So it works that way, unfortunately. But it's unfortunate, but that's really what you have to do. I know I was using as a tagline in my um, YouTube channel uh, in the month of January, for, for whatever reason, I started using government corruption pretty much in all of my videos and all of my taglines. Well, they started dinging that word. And so my, all my videos were like going down because of the one tag word and they were getting censored. So now instead of using like government corruption, I stay away from that word in the tag. It's unfortunate, but that's what we're dealing. I mean, we're dealing with half of a robot and half Google Analytics, but they, but they're purposefully targeting, you know, conservative Christian, uh, you know, Patriots. Anyone who loves America loves their country. That's what they're targeting. So I'll throw in their flowers and makeup and socks <laughs> to, to throw off Google Analytics. So if you if you read some of my taglines now, it's got crazy words in there, but it's working. And so now I've kind of gone around what the analytics are doing, but that's what you have to do anymore. And it's sad and it's sick. And I'm really praying that Donald Trump does something about it soon here because I don't know what the future looks like, and we're going to be in some deep trouble. And, you know, it does worry me a little bit. I know he he talks about the mainstream media and, you know, let's, you know, do this. And and what is it, the LIBA? How do you say that? Uh, The the LIBA laws or? Yeah, uh, yeah, LIBA laws. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, I guess we have to be really careful for those because if we get somebody like Obama in the future, those can turn around and, and bite us in the rear end if, You know, so I guess we just have to be careful uh, because we always need freedom of media and we always need the freedom of our speech. And that falls under the media line. And so, you know, I just. And and Lisa, let me tell you, there are people out there that are just frothing uh, to engage in lawfare. And I I spoke to the Oath Keepers about this and some others. Uh, It's it's and, and trust me when I tell you that. Um, it, it takes this broadcasting to a whole nother level when you are, you know, hit with a, uh, uh, when you, when you are handed a, 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 a subpoena or a legal documents. And I'm speaking from experience. And of course that immediately slaps a gag order, a gag order on you. So I can't even talk about that. But, uh, I, I guess the bottom line here is, uh, the, the attempt or, or the, uh, the objective here is, not to necessarily win in a court of law with respect to lawfare, but make you bleed money like there is no tomorrow. And if trust you me, that tell you. it would be most efficient for them to to take you with litigation. Yeah, uh, they would do that. But um, and, and one one other thing I've noticed about the the uh, nice the pivot, gate, Thank you. Nice pivot. The pedogate investigations with people who. Only have YouTube channels or or Twitter feeds or you know maybe they only do the YouTube videos or and or Twitter and Facebook versus having 
the people who've had shows or have been doing YouTube since before this, they seem to only go after the people that have, or mostly of the people who have, have uh, popped up because of the Pizzagate investigation. Then you see them censoring their Twitter accounts, banning their YouTube videos, erasing the content from their YouTube videos, demonetizing their account. But it seems well, like people, how do you explain Alex Jones then? I mean, I, I don't would think that I was related. I really don't. Okay. Um, yeah. Go ahead, Lisa. Yeah, no, I, I mean, that's the whole, sorry, my dog. I'm sorry, put, put Diesel <laughs> on. See, to say. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm going to tell you, Diesel, he's upset too. I don't blame him. <laughs> he has a <laughs> I, I love it. You, you know, lady of the studio. Oh, oh, that, that perked up lady. I wish we had the cameras on the studio. That perked up lady. Uh, she's over here looking at, at the, uh, uh, speaker. Yeah, our studio dog lady is very sensitive. If you have an oh. animal on a commercial on the TV, she'll, she'll come and Sorry bark at that. it. Oh. They wanted to talk too. Yeah, no, you know what? I, I'm right there with Diesel. I'm, i yeah, let's do it. Um, they see a deer. That's what it is. There's a deer behind me. <laughs> oh, wow. It's a pretty picture right now because you can see it separately. Okay, I'm Diesel. Okay. I know. He's like, hold on, let me put him out. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah, uh, it's kind of funny, uh, uh, folks. Our lady, the studio dog, is enamored by the the monitors, and she'll sit and watch the monitor, um, and actually sit and watch television, Fox yeah. News. Yeah. Uh, She's waiting for the for the animals, the commercials with animals, yeah. though. And she she watches Animal Planet like religiously. <laughs> Yeah, she knows when there's an animal on there. She gets up in the TV and barks and yeah. scratches at the screen and yes. weird animals. Yeah, all right. Sorry about that. But, yeah, it would be so pretty right now. It's just staring at me behind me. <laughs> they went crazy with the little deer. I love it. You know, and it's isn't it neat? Um, I, I just, just about everybody that comes on our show has got a dog or two. And, uh, it's, it's really kind of a neat thing. And, and the dogs are great, so. And they are great, but. Diesel is um, welcome anytime. But go, go on. Go ahead and continue. I know he likes to pop in on my channel. Uh, but as far as Pete is concerned, um, you know, it's, we have, I guess we, we do have to be careful, like you said, because there, I think the owner of, you know, the, the pizza place there, he is actually suing for, you know, defamation on his, person saying, well, this story isn't true and it's caused me harm because somebody came in here with a gun or whatever. So now he is actually going after people, which, it, you know, that's, and I, I guess, you know, that's the way they're going to do it through court. So, you know, you do have to be careful. But here's the thing, I, you know, it's not just in one area. I think, you know, there's Peter rings all over and we can't just count, you know, like DynCorp, like we talked about that, they're in the Vatican. Uh, we know the whole sex scandals that went on there. But when you start hitting on these button areas of the globalists, they get ticked. And, they you know, yeah. so we, we get, we get attacked even more. Uh, I think the sue possibility obviously goes way up. And, and that's why to a point, you know, like you said, we have to be careful, but at the same time, get the truth out. And, and you know exactly, and it's it's just I just see lawfare, and in this very narrow topic of lawfare by itself, I see this as a very effective weapon to 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 the uh, uh, it, number one. It's frightening to people because you know people get served with legal papers. For example, it, it's not something that happens every day, 
And if they're getting sued, for example, it, it uh, takes it to an entirely different level. Even if it's without merit, you have to uh, hire an attorney. Try to hire an attorney under ten grand retainer. Ain't possible. And then even if it has no merit whatsoever, you still have to fight it until it dies its natural death. And that could take years. I can guarantee you it takes years. And and, and the so, so any misstep... It's just horrendous. And that, and the targets are on your back, Lisa, our backs, and everyone in the independent media. Now that, however, we don't have the license to go out and say, well, so and so is a, is a pedophile without proof. And we don't do that. Or, or, you know, and I, and I've never heard you say, or anyone say, responsible say that this particular store, pizza shop, whatever, is the center of uh, child trafficking or whatever it might be. I've never heard that. And, no, you know. I, no, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, I've never said that. No, of and, course. And I leave that for the investigators to investigate and discover, you know, but do we know the stuff is going on? Yeah, it's going on all over, you know, in different outlets, you know, so that's, and we can't take our eyes off of that as well, but there's a lot of things and, uh, you know, as far as that's concerned, I guess. Well, I'll tell you. <laughs> You know, I, I certainly didn't mean to take you off off your stride. It, this is kind of like a, uh, folks. This would be like a conversation we'd have, you know, off air. But uh, and, and sometimes some of those conversations are the best. Uh, getting to know Lisa Haven and, and the stuff that she's working on. What are you working on right now? We've got about six minutes before the uh, before the end. I mean, you, you covered uh, Loretta Lynch mob um and and you know what she's trying to do well uh, let me end with this question or, or at least toss this out there are, are we looking at a all out fighting shooting civil war coming up here do you think i hope not i hope not um you know i think if if they attempt to do something with donald trump say say if um they make him if they attempt to impeach him or if they pin some false stuff on him with russia or who knows i think then that a lot of americans are going to get upset uh and i don't know what we could be looking at i think you know maybe some protests for sure riots uh civil war i have no idea you know what the future holds but right now at this time i think you know i think we're okay uh, but if they do something or, or assassinate donald trump god forbid then we could be looking at something of that nature but uh time will really ultimately tell if that ever plays out or not you know there's no way to say uh i pray and hope that it doesn't and it could just end in you know protests and riots who knows? But if something were to happen to Donald Trump, I think people would wake up even more and say, oh, no, this is, uh, you know, kind of see, I guess, the real battle that we're faced with on some level. I mean, what are, what do you think? Wow. Yeah. Um, I mean, we think uh, my, my dad seems know. to think that the Civil War I, I is more of a possibility than I, really yeah, do. than I do. Um, but I agree. I think we're going to continue to see. You know, um, the but, protest against Trump, the protest against Trump supporters, the undermining of our, of our government and our republic by former Obama officials. You got, you know, Obama and Valerie Jarrett living in a mansion in DC together and they've been working in their own stated words to, um, get Donald Trump impeached or removed from office, um, you know, under some sort of scandal that they're creating. 
and they don't they don't hide that fact. And when you have um, at least a third of the population that believes the d- delusional lies that the mainstream media spills and continues to feed into their emotions, specifically, you know, uh, creating lies to, to foment anger and, and hate, it is inevitable uh, to some degree. We're already in a soft civil war now. Exactly. Lisa, we got about a minute left. Uh, and please, tell our audience how they can follow you. I think most do. Um, how they can follow and help you, support you, whatever. Absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm on the website, www.lisahaven.news. Um, also my, my biggest channel is obviously my YouTube channel out there. If you just plug in Lisa Haven on YouTube, I'll pop right up. Uh, and, uh, you guys can follow me on that as well. Super. And, and you're better looking than us. So, you know, <laughs> the, the, that's why you, the, yeah, and, and it's, yeah, it's a lot nicer to look at you and Diesel than uh, than us, that's for sure. But I want to thank you so much for your gift of time and uh, for for taking your time out and just having a casual conversation, kind of a kitchen table conversation here um, about things. And I think that people got a lot out of this, and it's kind of getting to know you a little bit more, and it's nice. Thank you. Thank you too. All right. God bless. And you stay safe, by the way. You too. All right. <laughs> LisaHaven.news is the website. Lisa Haven on YouTube. Uh, it's a fantastic interview. When we come back, Richard Gibson will be our guest. And in hour number three, we have Justin Peters from Justin Peters Ministries that's going to be joining us. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back on this Wednesday edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Stay tuned. Go to HagmanReport.com, click on the link to Greenovative. What Greenovative is, it's a small company in Florida. They created something called the GMAG Power Cell. It produces electricity by adding salt water to this unit that recharges rechargeable batteries. It's the coolest thing you'll ever see in your life. It's really neat. Really a, a super device. All right? You need just two teaspoons of ordinary table salt, a little water, but a bang, you're charging your rechargeable batteries. Super GMAG chargeable is affordable. It's lightweight, weighs about 8 ounces. It's durable. It's EMP proof. And it's environmentally friendly. Yeah, that it is. It'll provide safe and convenient power for recharging uh, six AA batteries off the grid when other power sources aren't available anywhere, anytime, in any weather, day or night. Go to greenovative.com. That's greenovative.com. Perhaps you're a business out there, a small business. Would you like to extend the reach of your business? I bet you would. Would you like to to have the same opportunities as companies such as Omaha Steaks, Pro Flowers, and Casper Mattress, some of the bigger companies out there? Would you like to have that same power? Advertise on our program. Go to HagmanandHagman.com or send an email to opportunities at HagmanandHagman.com. If you go to HagmanReport.com and HagmanandHagman.com, there's a link where you can, you can, you can, it's a big red box. You'll see it. You'll see it. Click on that link. 
and go ahead and read the benefits that we have created for you. I think it's I think it's a fabulous opportunity. For investors, timberland has become the symbol of safety. Global tropical timber demand continues to surge as the world's population increases. The need for managed, sustainable timber production forests has never been greater. When stock markets crash, trees keep growing. Direct ownership of fully managed tropical timberland acreage is now available to accredited investors. Prime, valuable hardwood groves close to the beautiful Costa Rican border generate and maintain superior long-term wealth. Consider visiting our forest plantations. Qualified, accredited investors should go to PreciousTimberProfits.com or dial 855-888-6288 for more information. Call 855-888-6288 or visit PreciousTimberProfits.com. This announcement does not constitute either an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offering made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288, PreciousTimberProfits.com, PreciousTimberProfits.com. edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. We're so glad that you're able to join us. Thank you so much for your belief and your trust in us. Thanks for being part of the Nightly Broadcast. We broadcast Monday through Friday, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time on the Global Star Radio Network, also Blog Talk Radio, BTR, that is, as well as YouTube Live. Now, obviously, YouTube, or YouTube uh, the interface that uh, we use to broadcast live the studio interface, apparently something happened where we're not able to do that. So this will be going up via archive on YouTube. Uh, again, I question even the relevance of me saying that because those to whom this message is intended wouldn't be listening. So there you have it. But nonetheless, uh, we, we've got a great hour planned for you before I turn it over to Joe here. Uh, and I might have to dip out for a little bit. Um, and again, just so people understand, we're gathering some investigative assets, and we are, um, you know, we're engaged in this battle. We've got foot soldiers in this battle, folks. I just want to let you know uh, we have uh, investigative assets across the country who are infiltrating or attempting to infiltrate or who have infiltrated various seditious groups, and, and uh, such as uh, uh, refusefascism.org and and others. I'm not going to get into detail, but it's interesting because what we're seeing from this is this, or what we're finding invested from an investigative standpoint is, is the fact that these people are, are serious. The, the people who are engaged in the protests, the riots are very serious. And it's important for people to understand that, that there is a war going on out there. And you may not see it just because you live in uh, Idaho or uh, Iowa, Nebraska, you know, you may not see what's going on in the, uh, uh, urban areas, New York, Los Angeles, and other big cities. It's going on, and it's, uh, and I dare say it's coming to a city near you. Before we get to our guest, I, I want to ask you a question. If you're a pastor listening to this, or, uh, well, whoever, let me ask you this. Do you need a fascinating speaker? for your next conference, your next dinner banquet, or church event. Do you? Boy, I, we get so many requests 
Well, we've got, we've got the answer for you. Check out Ocaso Media for speakers like, well, remember we had JFK Secret Service agent Abe Bolden on? How about Charlie Brandt, the man who cracked the Jimmy Hoffa murder case? The ex-Satanist Zachary King, former mobster Sal Pelosi, and others, okay? There's a place where you can go for these speakers. Ocasa, media, okay? I'm going to give you a phone number. You ready? All right, here, here it is. It is 305-396-2806. That's for Ocasa Media Speakers, 305-396-2806. And let me spell Ocasa for you. That's O-C-A-S-O, Ocaso Media, M-E-D-I-A. So call 305-396-2806, Ocaso Media Speakers. There you have it. And if you want a fascinating guest, there is your answer. Joe, I'm going to turn it over to you. All right. Um, folks, we got a, a great interview lined up for you. Richard Gibson is our guest. His website, thedeceptionofeloquence.com, and his book goes by the title, The Deception of Eloquence. Um, Richard, welcome back to the Hagman Report. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. It's great to have you. I'm, um, about a month and a half ago, you came on and we talked about a number of things and uh, the spirituality and what's in the Bible and, and prophecy and how it all is tying into current events today. And um, you have some, some similar things you want to get into about uh, you know the natural worldview versus supernatural worldview, as we talked about just before the segment, and we're going to uh, get into that and wherever it branches out to. So I'm going to turn it over to you, Mr. Gibson, and let's get started. Sure. So, you know, as I was thinking about tonight and thinking about what to talk about in just uh, brainstorming and meditating about, about what is going on in the world and and what's going on in the church, you know, one thing I began, what really began to dawn on me is understanding the important implications of the worldviews that we hold. Namely, looking at the reality of a supernatural worldview opposed to a naturalistic worldview. Now, this is vital to understand, and I'm first going to begin at placing my focus within the church. You know, one thing that Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, he says something very clear. He said this, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Now, before I go further forward, let me just share a little bit about me, because I don't want to make it sound like that I have it all together or, you know, I have this down pack and you don't or whatever. My background, I was ordained in the Baptist, in the Southern Baptist Church. Uh, my training was primarily Reformed theology. You know, some would call it Calvinism. So I was in that circle for about 10 years of my born-again life. But then God brought me into the charismatic side. Now, some of you, if you're familiar with that, you will understand that coming from a, a conservative evangelical background, then experiencing some charismatic reality, it's like, whoa, that's like, you know, two opposite ends of the spectrum. 
But one thing that I began to realize by going through uh, this transition or just broadening me out and understanding more is that there are many evangelicals that have a major blind spot when it comes to spiritual truth, namely the supernatural reality in which we live in. When, I, when we uh, look at what Paul says, he says something very, very clear. When it comes to spiritual truth, it cannot be merely understood by our intellect. It just, it doesn't work like that. The natural mind will reject spiritual truth because it sounds incredibly foolish. For example, it can range from the reality of Jesus Christ being 100% man, 100% God. It could be the fact of him being conceived by a virgin, but a virgin Mary. To the reality of demons and their activities, to even believing in the unseen realm, these things to the natural mind do not make sense. Because all right. these things go beyond our natural understanding. So when it comes to understanding spiritual truth that the Bible substantiates, we're going to need a lot of help. And the only ones that can understand spiritual truth in the supernatural reality are people who have the Spirit of God and is walking in faith and discernment. Let me be, let me be very clear about that. Because just because you have the Spirit of God does not mean you believe every spiritual truth. Now you may say, you know, how, how can you say that? Where do you get that from? Well, I get that from Scripture. The reality is this. You can be a born-again believer and be blind to spiritual truth. The know, reality, if I can jump in here, um, this what you're talking about, the natural versus the spiritual, just reminds me of... Um, uh, the, the mindset of Thomas Page, what, or Thomas Paine, I'm sorry, um, and right. some of the founding fathers, and especially with uh, Thomas Paine in the Age of Reason, he said, I do not believe in the creed professed by the Jewish church, by the Roman church, by the Greek church, by the Turk church, or by the Protestant church, nor any church that I know of. My own mind is my own church. And mm. many of the founding fathers did not believe the story of the virgin birth because they, they couldn't be replicated in um, you know, if they tried, the, the supernatural elements like you're talking about. Uh, and we right. see this a lot, especially in today's society. People want to believe, you know, what they believe, their preconceived beliefs. Um, and it has nothing, I mean, they they will not um, believe that there are miracles and, and these things that are happening and that, and that the spiritual world is of anything of any importance. And I always wonder, uh, and I always wonder if it's something, you know, if we're born differently, if it's something the Lord puts in us or or... Um, you know what the the um, I guess you'd say the fight against the supernatural is about, but I, at the same time I can understand because a lot of people, you know, what they um, only what they can duplicate, what they can see, what makes sense to them, will they believe in? So it is a convoluted issue, and it is, it is, and it's something I will tell you is I would expect it from someone that does not know Jesus. That's, 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 I can understand somebody that is out in the world doing their own thing. They may not think about things like this. However, when it comes to a, a believer, a born again believer, and there are, they are rejecting supernatural reality, 
spiritual truth, which I'm going to point to, which I'm going to get to in a minute, that is a major problem. And I'm going to really get to the root of this. Because if you're a believer and you're rejecting spiritual truth that is substantiated in Scripture, you are literally reverting back to the natural mind, which will lead to unbelief and deception. Now, as I said before, when it comes to this understanding, we have to understand that although there may be truly born-again believers in the church, they still can have major blind spots, and I would even say to be more pointed, they could be totally blind. You know, one thing that Jesus called the Laodicean church in Revelation 3, verse 17 and 18, one of the descriptions was this, that they were blind, and he said to come to me to uh, receive some eye salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. He wasn't talking about their physical eyes. He was talking about their spiritual eyes. So when you have this reality going on within the church, we have to begin to look at what, why, why is it like that? Why, why do some people get it and other people don't? And it comes down to this. There are some people that very subtly hold to a naturalistic form of reality. Now, what do I mean by that? What do we mean by naturalism? This is what I mean by naturalism. And when I read this definition, I want us to think about it. And then we're going to go into scripture and then we're going to have like a, a time of just uh, examining ourselves to see where do we fit? Where do I fit? Do I really hold a supernatural worldview or do I really hold a naturalistic worldview? Because it's one or the other. And the reality is this. Some people will theoretically say they hold a supernatural worldview, but in reality and in practice, they don't. It's really naturalistic. So here's a definition for naturalism. Naturalism is simply a philosophical viewpoint according to which everything arises from natural properties and causes. In all supernatural and spiritual explanations are excluded or discounted. Now, when you begin to dive in and be challenged with that, now, when you look at the world, do you look at the world in a sense of everything comes from the natural? Everything is natural, natural causes. There is no supernatural spiritual explanations. Throw that out the window. We, we don't live like that. You begin to look at, is that in our lives? Is that the majority of the evangelical church? And I will tell you, by a, by a matter of fact, it is. Let me explain. For instance, you go to Scripture. You look at Matthew 12, uh, verses 22 to 32. And I'm just going to read some of it. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm going to read some of it. Matthew 12, verses 22 to 32. And it says this. It says, Then a demon-oppressed man, who was blind and mute, was brought to him, that him was Jesus, and he healed him so that the man spoke and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, Can this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, It is only Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that, that this man cast out demons. And I'm going to stop there for a moment. So here it is. We see this man in this text. He has a handicap. 
That handicap is the fact that he can't see and he can't talk. Now, we take a step back for a moment. What, what if this man was in our congregation today? What would our natural mind say? What would our mind say about this man? The majority in the evangelical church would say this. Well, that man, his cause is, you know, maybe he was born that way or maybe he had an accident or something like that. We, the 95% of the evangelical church, including most pastors, would not even conceive the reality that this man's issue is being caused by a supernatural entity, namely a demon. And that's a great point. Um, just not to interrupt your stride here, but, you know, in the, in the Old and New Testament, and especially when Jesus was around, there are multiple examples of people suffering from physical, uh, disabilities, um, you know, from, you had, you know, leprosy to, um, what we would consider today to be mental, different forms of mental illness. And they, it seems like every time, um, somebody was impaired or infirmed or, or, um, sick that demons were cast out of these people and they became better. In some cases there were, there were, uh, miracles and of healing done that did not reference demons, but at the same time, there were lots, of, there are lots of stories that, um, connect, you know, illnesses to demonic activity. Right. Absolutely. And as, and as, I, as I spoke over a month ago, and by understandings, and, and this is something, again, you begin to understand there are multiple different or many different manifestations of demons. I said, as I said last time, unfortunately in the church, what we have done, we have taken on a Hollywood theology. So when we hear about demon oppression, we think the exorcists. We think the Amityville horror stories. We think all the stuff that flows out of Hollywood, but then we begin to neglect the reality of the scriptures. So instead of having a supernatural reality or understanding when it comes to the supernatural, we have a Hollywood theology or a Hollywood understanding. And that's already an, an issue. So when we come back to this text, we see that Jesus, he heals this man. Now, one thing I thought about when it comes to demonization or demon oppression, it's, it's very funny because I've got into debates with people about this. Most Christians will say this. Well, let me backtrack. When we think about conservative theology, conservative Christians, we say, you know, we hold close to the word of God. We exegetically dig deep in the word of God. We're not liberal. But the issue is when it comes to the supernatural reality, the supernatural realm, spiritual truth, in this context, we become liberal. It's almost like we lose our minds. It's like when it comes to something that we are afraid of or we don't want to deal with, we begin to deny it, just as the liberals would. One thing that I realized in this text now, I was reading from the ESV version, and it describes this man as being demon-oppressed. And I've got to enter debates about this, and this is with, with other Christians. And this is what they'll tell me. They'll say this. Um, a Christian, you know, they can't be possessed, but they can be oppressed. And then I begin to sit back and I think about that, and I say, well, when Jesus dealt with a demon-oppressed man, he cast it out. So what does that say to our description of what it means to be oppressed by a demon? 
I mean, is he is it demon sitting on someone's shoulder or something, or or is it is it more in uh, more in uh, in sync with what how Hollywood shows it? I mean, what what how how does it look? Because apparently, when you read the scriptures, this description is reading of a man who was oppressed by a demon. Jesus cast his spirit out; he was healed, and he could see and he could talk. So, what does that say to the? The error of saying a, de- a Christian cannot be demonized or demon oppressed who, and who may need particularly deliverance. One thing I began to realize within all of this that I find to be very interesting is after Jesus dealt with this man, the Pharisees were disgusted. They were angry. And then you begin to ask the question, why were they so mad? about Jesus dealing with this man and casting the spirit out. Well, I think it's the same reason why a lot of us get mad. They had unbelief. And it's amazing. When you begin to look at it, because they had unbelief, that unbelief turned into rebellion. They began to call Jesus Beelzebub. In other words, they began to call him a, a sorcerer. Now we know that's not that's not the truth, but they were in denial of the fact that what Jesus was doing was legitimate. And because of that, what was happening? They were being deceived. Now, one thing that you realize when Jesus encounters this resistance from the Pharisees and from their rebukes and from their accusations, he says some very very sharp Words. Now, I'm going to skip down the text. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm going to skip down to his response. And I'm going to pick up in verse 28. And he says this, But if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can, a, how can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds a strong man? Then indeed he may plunder his house. Now listen to verse 30. He says something very, very sharp. He says, whoever is not with me is against me. And whoever does not gather with me scatters. You know, you begin to, I'm going to stop there. You begin to think about what he's saying. Here it is, the Pharisees, they're coming against Jesus because he cast out some demons out of the man that was blind and mute. They're angry. And now he's saying, if you're not with me, you are against me. What I found to be very, very interesting with this language that Jesus employs is it, it wasn't the first time he says something like this. In Mark chapter 9, uh, verses 38 through 40, this is a very interesting uh, story. And what was going on was this. I'm not going to read the whole thing. What was happening was this. One of the apostles, John, um, naming John, he came to Jesus and he said something. He said this. He said, listen, Jesus, we saw other men casting out demons in your name, but they were not following us. And what they, they what the apostles wanted to do, they wanted to stop those men from doing that. But Jesus rebuked them. But let me, before I even get into Jesus' rebuke, Let's think about what he said. There were other men, other than Jesus and the apostles, casting out demons. 
in the name of Jesus. The reason why I bring this up, because there are people in our day that will say, well, you know, the, the gifts and the signs and the sign gifts have ceased because with the apostles they ceased to no longer, they're, they're no longer void. It's called sensationalism. I was taught that in a seminary and Bible school. In fact, I used to be one of them. And I began to think about this. And I said, well, if that's the case, if all the gifts and the signs have ceased, then how in the, with, with the apostles, then how in the world are other men that we have no clue who they are doing the same thing that, that they were doing? Now that, that, that should cause us to think and wonder that this is not, just not confined to the apostles. But this is, this is given to every believer who believes. And what's so, what's so amazing about this? It's when Jesus responded to John, he said this. He said, do not stop him for no one who does a miracle. That's another thing. When someone gets set free from demons, it's a miracle. It's not a light thing. Why? Because the one who's doing the work is not the human being, it's the Spirit of God. He says, the one who does a miracle in my name will will be able soon afterward to speak no evil of me. For the one who is not against us is for us. Now, that is a, that's a sharp word. And the reason why I say it's a sharp word, it was a sharp word then and it's a sharp word now. Because what happens is this. In our day, in the evangelical church particularly, you begin to engage in this ministry. You know what will happen? You get so much pushback. People will be so angry. They will come with all types of theories to say what you're doing, oh, it's not of God, or this is some other new age stuff, or whatever. They'll come with some type of theory to try to disprove what you're doing. And I find it ironic that in the in the day of the, of Jesus and the apostles, he dealt with the same thing with the Pharisees. Mm-hmm. And, but then I look at the way Jesus responded to people like that. He says, listen, if you're not for us, you're against us. Now, that should act imposed as a warning for one. And number two, it should begin to awaken our eyes to the, the seriousness of dealing with the supernatural, namely dealing with the enemy in battle and casting out devils in the deliverance ministry. But then you go further in the Matthew 12 text. And you go further, you begin to look at this. Now, this is something very controversial. Because now we're getting into what is labeled the unpardonable sin. And it says this. He first says, therefore. So if he's saying, therefore, he's connecting his following statement with his previous statement. He says, therefore, I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people. But the blasphemy against the spirit of the spirit will not be forgiven. And whoever speaks a word against the son of man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. That's right. And this is a good place to stop, Mr. Gibson. We're up against our our uh, break. Folks, we're talking with Richard Gibson, his website, thedeceptionofeloquence.com. It's also the title of his book, uh, The Deception of Eloquence. 
eloquence. Uh, Rashad Gibson is our guest. When we come back, we're going to continue um, with his teaching and our discussion, um, the supernatural worldview versus the natural worldview and what that means for our lives in the here and now. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. Shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. Folks, I'm going to direct your attention to masterpreps.com, masterpreps.com. Wow. Masterpreps.com, the sponsor of our show, masterpreps.com. That's masterpreps.com. Take a visit there. High-quality items, made-in-America items. I mean, anything, everything you could possibly want from cooking utensils, cooking frying pans. I mean, it is, it'll blow you away. Absolutely, Eric. It's insane. I mean, wow. Look at the products. Folks, visit masterpreps.com. Again, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report family, masterpreps.com. I mean, wow, it's insane. Masterpreps.com. Are you ready for what comes next? New Year from all of us at Training Post in the Woods. We pray you have a healthy, safe, and prosperous 2017. And we would like to thank all of you for welcoming us to the Hagman and Hagman family. You're all a very wonderful and special group of people. Because we believe it is so important for you to work and acquire good health this year, we're going to do something that we've never done before as a thank you to you for your support. We're going to make something available that we believe everyone needs. During the month of January, anyone who invests in their house by purchasing either our American Heritage Remedies Kit, our Survivalist Natural Remedies Kit, or $200 in individual remedies of your choice, we're going to give to you our crisis remedy just in case for free. Your health must be a part of your preparation plan. We're here to help you with that dream. May God bless y'all, and may God bless America. Happy Happy New Year. Year! everyone. This is Joe Charles, the guy whose voice is heard announcing for the Hagman and Hagman Report right here on YouTube and across the Global Star Radio Network. There have been many people wondering whose music is being played during those breaks. Well, you guessed it. And we're very pleased to announce that all that music and 11 brand new songs from the CD New Jerusalem is set for release on April 10th for download on iTunes. You can help support my ministry and be blessed by this awesome, inspiring recording. I have been fortunate to work with some phenomenal musicians from around the world that helped us put this recording together in the studio. Simply go to joecharlesmusic.com and click on the iTunes link. Or, if you'd rather have a CD, we'll send one right out to you. Just leave me your email and we'll get right back to you. And thanks to Doug and Joe Hagman for making this all possible. God bless. Back, ladies and gentlemen, to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Our guest this hour is Rashad Gibson. Go to his website, thedeceptionofeloquence.com, and check out his book, The Deception of Eloquence. We were talking about um, 
the natural worldview versus the supernatural worldview and what is um, obviously proper biblically and how we have a disconnect between what is in the scripture and how us as Christians live today in the here and now. Um, we got an email question, Mr. Gibson, about is the natural mind the same as the carnal mind? Yeah, basically it is. The natural, the carnal mind, you're, you're primarily, you're talking about living in the flesh. is synonymous with having a natural mind. Um, a natural mind will lead to having or living in a carnal, in a carnal way. And you can look at all the different, all the, all the carnality listening in Galatians 5 and it talks about the works of the flesh. So having a mindset that is natural, that excludes supernatural reality, especially if you're not a believer, absolutely it will lead to living a carnal life. Um, in fact, when you begin to think about reality, when we come into this world, we come into this world naturally uh, separated from God, so we naturally want to live in the flesh. We naturally want to be carnal. However, if, when we come to Christ and we surrender our lives to Jesus and we receive the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit begins to do is he begins to renew our minds so that we no longer, as Paul would say, walk after the flesh but after the Spirit. Then when you're walking after the Spirit, you are crucifying that flesh. You are crucifying the carnality that wants to rule your life. So that's a short answer up to that question. Okay. Um, you were you were saying something just before the break. Um, okay. That's my train of thought. I hope you I hope you remember. <laughs> no, I'll pick up where I left off at. I left off at I was reading uh, I think it was Matthew uh, 12, verse 32, when it starts talking about the unpardonable sin. Yes, and, when yes. I was, and when I was getting at, because historically we'll say this, the unpardonable sin is when someone rejects Jesus and they never repent, they never give their life to the Lord, so they end up going to hell. And that's correct. They will go to hell if they reject Jesus. The only problem with that interpretation in this context is the fact that in this context, we're not talking about evangelism. This context has nothing to do with evangelism. This context has everything to do with deliverance. And this is one of the things I'm, I try to tell people. We have to understand the fullness of the gospel. There is an aspect of the gospel in which we preach the gospel. We preach repentance. We preach the forgiveness of sins. We preach the finished work of Christ on the cross. That is vastly important, but that's only the salvific end. There's another aspect of the gospel, which is the power demonstrated through the gospel, which reveals the deliverance and healing aspect, which we see throughout Scripture, particularly in the gospels. Now, when we start looking at this particular text, when Jesus says these words, he is speaking in the context of deliverance. Now, when it comes to the unpardonable sin, some people say, yeah, if you reject Jesus, you know, you're, you're committing the unpardonable sin. And that's true, but the only problem is, because a lot of times we think the unpardonable sin is you do one particular sin, that means it's unpardonable, you're done. But that's not the nature of the unpardonable sin. Because if that was, if the reality was this, if the reality was, if we reject Jesus one time in our life, we're gonna go to hell, then we all will be damned. Because we all would have committed the unpardonable sin. 
But the reality is we can reject the gospel 10, 20, 30 times, but then eventually we may be awakened to truth and then give our lives over. Now, I'm saying that to make a point because in this context, we're dealing with deliverance. Now, the central issue is this. The, the nature of the unpardonable sin is when we are opposing the work of the Holy Spirit. And when we are doing that, guess what happens to our heart? It becomes harder and harder and harder to the degree God may even turn you over to your sin. And what's so incredibly unique about this particular text God even gives us a picture of what the unpardonable sin looks like. Now, why do I say that? Where do I get that from? I get that from Luke chapter 11, verse 20. That particular text is the parallel passage to the Matthew 12 text. And Jesus says, or Luke records, some very specific words. And this is what he says about, this is what he says, uh, what Jesus says. He says, if I cast out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Now, why do I point that out in Luke 11, verse 20? Because the finger of God is a particular phrase that's only used twice. The one time it's used, it's used when the Ten Commandments were being written, and it said along the lines that God was uh, was writing the commandments by the finger of God. But the other time it was used was when Moses was uh, sent to Egypt. And we all know the story. And he was doing incredible signs and wonders. And what was Pharaoh doing? He was resisting. He was opposing God by not letting the people go. Now, after... I believe about three or four different uh, miracles that Moses did, he came to one particular miracle in which it was when God, or when uh, Moses uh, created, or God created through Moses, the plague of the gnats. Now, when this happened, what Pharaoh tried to do, he tried to mimic that miracle by using his own magicians to do the same thing, his own sorcerers to do the same thing, but they couldn't do it. Listen to what they say. The the sorcerer said this. They said this. This is the finger of God. And it says, Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them, as the Lord had said. What you see here is a picture of what happens. And when you read the story, initially the Bible says that Pharaoh hardened his heart. But then, as you read the story gradually, what happens towards the end is, it says that God hardened his heart. It seems to, to suggest, suggest that after Pharaoh was hardening his heart to the degree, he just was resisting and opposing God, it got to the point, and the way I view it is, God handed him over to his sin in such a way that there was no turning back. And when he did that, I believe that's a picture of what the unpardonable sin looks like. When we're consistently opposing the work of God, and then God turns us over to our unbelief.
Now, you bring that back to Matthew 12, and you bring that back to our current day. And this is when it gets very serious, and this is why I'm trying to harp on this hour, the, the importance of having a supernatural worldview, not just in theory, but in practice. When you bring this back to reality, now, in the evangelical church, now, I know this because I've been a pastor and I've experienced this. You have people in your church that are suffering from all types of problems. One of the problems you will come against in your church with people, some people, they will suffer from depression and some will even be suicidal. They will be hearing voices in their head. My question is, Pastor, what do you do? What do you do? Do you revert to the natural mind and say, listen, you know, um, you know, uh, I'm going to send you to a psychologist to get you checked out? Or do you say the religious thing, oh, go, go ahead and just read your Bible some more? Or, or be even more religious, I'll, I'll pray for you, brother. Yeah, we hear that. And there's nothing wrong with any of that. But have you ever thought and said, you know what? Maybe this person is dealing with demons. People don't want to confront now, that reality, even in religious circles. Right. I know for a fact, because I've been there and done this, the majority of the time when you're dealing with somebody in that context, you're dealing with demonic oppression, demonization, however you want to use the semantics. What do you do? Do you, do you run and say, you know what, I'm, I don't want to deal with this? Because what happens is this. I'm going to tell you what happens. When you're in that type of setting, in an evangelical setting that does not believe in this stuff, or, or uh, just in, in theory they'll say I have a supernatural world, but in reality they don't. Well, what happens is this. If you begin to touch this subject, the leader begins to think, what are people going to say about me if I be, begin to engage in this? What are my colleagues going to say? They're going to think I'm crazy. They may even think I'm a heretic. They may even think, oh, I'm some wild charismatic now. Because when you begin to touch this, that's what happens. Especially if you are in that particular context. And this begins to expose your true worldview. It begins to expose what Jesus says. You rather love the praise of men rather than the praise of God. See, this is how it really gets. That's why when you come back to the unpardonable sin, why do you think Jesus is so serious about this particular issue? Because it's so real, it's so practical. And you have hurting sheep within your flock. And if you're not viewing reality through the grid, through the lens of the supernatural and the spiritual, there's going to be a lot of hurt people in the church. Mr. Gibson, um, don't mean to, to jump in here. We're getting a lot of static just with the last couple sentences you said on the Skype feed. Um, if it's all right with you, we're going to reconnect with you. All right. All right. Well, we'll call you right back. Folks, we're talking with Rashad Gibson. Uh, we're talking about the natural worldview versus the supernatural worldview and how it affects our thinking, our actions uh, in our day-to-day lives and this is an important topic because, you know, we, we talk about a lot of these issues. We uh, look into a lot of these issues, but do we ever really get to uh, what is important? Do we ever get 
you know, a lot of times, as Mr. Gibson was saying, um, we have the right mindset, but it doesn't translate into our actions, into what we're seeing. We don't, and I'm speaking for me specifically, um, you know, we're not looking at, at, at certain things as, as, as important as we should be or with the relevance that we should be. And a lot of the things that we do in our day-to-day life and come across, we, at least for me, I do compartmentalize it in more of a natural worldview. Um, now I'm not talking about the scriptures and the Bible and things, but, you know, uh, the illness is, is a great example. The, uh, demonic possession versus, you know, having an, a, a physical or mental illness. And, and we look at the, at the scriptures and the, uh, perspective from there. And a lot of times it was, you know, uh, demons needed to be, um, if you exercise from, from people, if you want to use that word, uh, and it was not an illness. It was a demonic, uh, possession. Uh, Mr. Gibson, we got, we got you back. All right. I'm glad to be back now. There we go. That yeah, sounds good. So as I left off, I was just trying to make the point and I, and let me be very clear. I'm not saying that every problem we experience is related to a demon. The point I'm trying to make is the problem that the, that we don't even consider as Christians that things can be demonic influencing our lives. That's the issue. And sometimes it's a very serious thing, especially when you're dealing with someone suicidal. And you begin to ask the question, how don't you think you're going to be held accountable for that? If you're a leader, and I'm not trying to bring condemnation or guilt, I'm just trying to state the facts because I've been there. So that's now that's in the pool of the church of what's going on, and that, that's when we need to really begin to get to, to really dig in and begin to understand. You know what? Let's just be real. Just say, you know, if at, you're listening to this, you say, you know what? I, I have more or less a naturalistic worldview. I need to repent of that. I need to confess that sin. And, and you know, it, it, it's amazing what the God what God can do, and begin to open. Open your heart and your in your mind, your spiritual mind, up to His truth in His context, not in the 21st century context. In most of our naturalistic churches that we we attend, I'm not I'm not going to bash the church, but anyway, as I move on, one of the things that I begin to realize when you begin to okay, you begin to go into the pool or leave the pool of the church and you go into the pool of the world. There is so much demonic influence around. The scary thing is, again, because we don't recognize what's going on, most Christians fall victim of it. I'll give you an example. One of the things I realized, uh, or came across rather, about two weeks ago, I came across on my news feed an article that was talking about Disney and that Disney had promoted their first homosexual cartoon. Yeah, Beauty and the Beast, I think it was. Yeah, yeah that was another thing. Oh, okay. This was, this, this was an, another issue. It was actually the first homosexual kiss they showed during a cartoon. And I saw that, and I said, this is ridiculous. But let me say something about Disney before I even get into the homosexual issue. Disney has been off the rails for years. Way off. I mean, way off the rails. Let me just, let me just paint a picture again to really open our eyes. In Orlando, Florida, and we all know what this place is. We all know what it is. In Orlando, Florida, what does Disney have? What is it called? 
Disney's what? Magic Kingdom. Mm-hmm. And when we, and it even, they even had the theme, the most magical place on earth. You ask a basic question. Where does magic come from? Does not magic, sorcery, witchcraft, doesn't it all come from the occult? Yeah, um, absolutely. There's no, there's no magic. Um, you know, Jesus doesn't need magic. Uh, but we have the dark magic. You have white magic, you have black magic. And it is very prevalent uh, with the occult from the spirit cooking to, I mean, there's just so many examples. Um, right. And I began to, you begin to look at that. And what do they do? What happened? And then again, this goes back to a natural mind versus a supernatural mind. What do you think the purpose of that is supernaturally? I'm going to tell you what it is. It gets your kids to think that the occult is a cool thing. You can be a witch. It is cool. You, you turn on Disney. They have all these different shows promoting witches and warlocks and sorcerers and wizards and everything else. And we think it's a joke. But then you have a core of the Old Testament telling God warning us to stay away from it. But see, what happens is Disney will promote it and say, well, it's just make-believe. The amazing thing about that is a lot of people are still suffering from that programming on our on our soul because we still approach it as if it's not a real thing. It, it just feeds into that natural mindset. Let me go a step further. There was a movie that came out by Disney. This is the, this is another example. Disney came out with a movie a couple of years ago. It was called The Princess and the Frog. And in one of the scenes, there was a voodoo priest saying these lyrics. Now, I want you to listen very carefully. This is what this voodoo priest was saying in a kid's cartoon, in a kid's movie. He said this, I got voodoo, I got voodoo. I got off, I got things I didn't even try, and I got friends on the other side. He got friends on the other side. And he goes on, he says, the cards, the cards, the cards will tell the past, present, and future as well. The cards, the cards, just take three. Take a little trip into the future with me. I'm going to stop there. He is literally telling you that he has friends on the other side. Who do you think those friends are he's talking about? Demons. Mm-hmm. And then he goes on, he's talking about the cards. What cards do you think he's talking about? He's talking about tarot cards. And then the scary thing about it is this. We'll have our kids watch this and recite it. Speaking that into their spirit. And it doesn't matter if they don't know what they're talking about. The demons know what they're talking about. This goes back again to our understanding of what's natural and supernatural as I said earlier if you have a natural mind you will be it's not it's not the fact of if you will be deceived you will be deceived you can quote me on that one okay how do we um you know a lot of times uh, in during the break I was thinking of different scenarios and um, I'm wondering how I how I look at situations and how I think um what what are some things that people can do to become more supernaturally minded? 
Well, that's I mean that's a whole that's a whole show right there, uh, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it first begins. You gotta be a believer. <laughs> that's where that's where it begins. At. Yeah, you gotta have the spirit of God. But I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you, and this is something that I, that I've been through myself. Because again, again, I'm saying these things, but I'm preaching from my own experience what I had to go through to to begin to understand things more in a full biblical sense. I'm gonna tell you. What needs to happen? There has to be a lot of examination of self, a lot of prayer. And the reason why I say this is because of this. There are so many, as the Bible would say, strongholds in our mind, ways of thinking that are contrary to the Word of God. But the problem is, it's very subtle. And as I said earlier, because this thing is so subtle within us, we will interpret scripture through that particular lens, which therefore will affect our interpretation of scripture and will affect our view of reality. The only way to break that, God's going to have to break it. And the steps of doing it is a lot of prayer, a lot of prayer, reading and studying the word of God, and really beginning to, to, to look at, you know, what do I really believe? And not the fact of what I believe in theory, but what am I believing in practice? Do I really believe that demons are real? Do I really believe that witches are real? And do I really believe that curses are real? Because there's a segment in the church, again, this is another thing, there's a lot of terrible doctrine within the church that will teach you that these things aren't real. And those things, I'm going to tell you right now, you have to renounce that, literally renounce those bad theologies. You have to renounce that bad teaching. You have to confess it as sin. If the Bible is saying one thing and you're thinking another thing, the Bible isn't wrong. We're the ones that are wrong. So it's it's nothing really, like I said, as far as really complicated. It's really first beginning to examine self and coming more familiar with Scripture. Examine your life, as Paul was saying, two, two, uh, 2 Corinthians 13 and 5. We had to begin to examine and begin to submerge ourselves in the Word of God. Because if we don't, we will always be led astray by the flesh. That's by nature. The Paul says in Romans 8, he says, uh, he talks about the living by the Spirit or living by the flesh. He says, the mind set on the flesh will die. Whereas the mind set on the spirit uh, is for a life in peace. We have to begin to, to, to I want you to say, have more awareness. What is my mind set on the majority of the time? You see, being a Christian is one of the most challenging things in the world. Yeah, you know, when it comes to the fact of, of surrendering one's life, that's the, I would say the biggest decision in the world. But then when you begin to come into this, there must be much deconstruction and then reconstruction. And that begins with the renewal of the mind. But the one thing, and I know we're running out of time, I want to touch on the tie into all this. There's another issue that, that is, that just happened recently. And I know your listeners probably have heard about it. I heard you guys talking about it was the fact of witches casting spells on Donald Trump. Yeah, there was the um the Witches Against Trump uh event 
and there were there was uh you know satanic ceremonies and uh, black mat masses all across the U.S. and and they were actively trying to cast curse on the president. Right <clears throat> now, this is something. Now, if now, I don't know where everyone stands as far as their feelings towards Trump, my personal opinion is this: he's not. He's definitely not a perfect man. He may not even be a born-again believer, but I really don't care about that when it comes to the presidency. What I care about is this. Has God put him there for a particular reason, for his purpose? One of the things I will say is when you begin to look at this issue of witches casting spells against Trump, I mean, witches worldwide, sorcerers, warlocks, all these people coming against Donald Trump, I'm not saying the man's a messiah. Do not have me say that. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is this. Begin to look at it supernaturally. If all these people who are slaves of Satan are taking the initiative to have this man have some spell, hex or whatever on him, that should cause you to do what? Discern. What is going on here? Yeah, absolutely. What side am I on? Am I, am I am I on the side with the, those who are for casting these spells, or am I am I a Christian saying, so you know what? If that's happening, you know what? Maybe I need to investigate where I stand at. I may not, and and, and maybe people out there that may not care for Trump. I've got to go. Yeah, Mr. Gibson, we uh, we reached our, the end of our time, folks. Uh, Rashad Gibson is our guest. The Deception of Eloquence dot com is his website. The Deception of Eloquence is the name of his book. I want to thank you for spending your time with us tonight, and we look forward to having you on in the future. Oh, no problem, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, there's a lot to a lot to get into, and the subject matter we talked about, and and so much more. Um, thank you, Mister Gibson. We'll be back with Justin Peters from Justin Peters Ministries. Don't go anywhere. Just what kind of thriller predicts the future? In three days in the belly of the beast, Daniel Holdings wrote about the God Particle before CERN actually discovered the God Particle. In As the Darkness Falls, Daniel wrote about an Islamist terrorist confederacy that rose up out of Syria and declared a caliphate three years before ISIS was ever heard of. In his newest novel, Between the Veil, Daniel talks about a space between dimensions where supernatural beings can walk. He says that these novels are a warning from the Creator to His creation. Will war come to America? Will the world's economies collapse? Are we looking at increased earthquakes and volcanic activity? Will the United States fall into civil war? You can find all of Daniel's work at his website, DanielHoldings.com. That's DanielHoldings.com. All of these things and more are talked about in Daniel's books. To find out what's coming next, go to DanielHoldings.com. Worldwide demand is making coconuts one of the highest-yielding cash crops available today. Coca-Cola, Pepsi, and many high-net-worth individuals have invested billions of dollars into coconuts for strong growth and solid long-term income. Yields could be as high as 18% or more per year. 
Capital appreciation and exceptional income for up to 60 long years would be an absolutely brilliant investment to pass on to future generations. Diversify wisely with direct ownership of fully managed coconuts on prime farmland close to the beautiful Costa Rican border. For more information, qualified accredited investors should go to ProfitsInCoconuts.com or phone 855-888-6288. That's 855-888-6288. This announcement does not constitute an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offer made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288 or visit ProfitsInCoconuts.com. ProfitsInCoconuts.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. At HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. to our final hour on this edition of the Hagman Report. Um, if you joined us late, obviously you know that YouTube, we are we are down on YouTube for this evening. Uh, we should be back up and running tomorrow. Uh, for folks on listening on Global Star Radio Network and Blog Talk Radio, thanks for joining us. We will put the archive show back up on YouTube after the show is over tonight. And um, again, in the first hour, Lisa Haven was our guest. And then Rashad Gibson was our guest in the last hour. And we have Justin Peters in this hour. His website is justinpeters.org. He's got a new book that we're going to get into a little bit. And we got some interesting things to talk about tonight uh, with Mr. Peters. Justin, welcome back to the Hagman Report. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here uh, or inviting me to be with you. It's a pleasure. Oh, absolutely. Uh um, I don't know if you got a chance to listen to the last guest we had Rashad Gibson on, and he was talking about um, supernatural worldview versus the natural worldview. And I, uh, we talked briefly before the show, and there are some some issues you want to get into as far as um, um, scripture and, and uh, Christianity is concerned. And I think it's a real important topic. Um, one of the things that you that we talked about speaking about tonight was um, deception. In and outside the church, false teachings that come from inside the church and um, from intentionally misleading people to uh, not having the greatest understanding of the scriptures and trying to explain them can also lead to false teachings. But I'm interested to hear what you have to say, uh, Mr. Peters. Where do you want to begin? Yes, Joe. Um, well, the last time I was on, we talked about the false teachers in the Word of Faith movement, the health and wealth, name and claimant gospel, prosperity gospel, um, the people such as Benny Hinn. Actually, as I, just as I say his name, uh, your listeners may be very interested to know that Benny Hinn's nephew, Costi Hinn, C-O-S-T-I, Costi Hinn, 
uh, Costi's father is Henry Hinn, Benny Hinn's brother. Well, Costi Hinn was genuinely saved about four years ago, and uh, God has brought him completely out of the Word of Faith movement. He used to work for his uncle, uh, flew all over the world with him in his G5 private jet, stayed in $25,000 night hotel rooms. Well, now Costi Hinn is actually saved, a genuine Christian, and he's 180 degrees out from where he was when he was uh, working for his uncle and going to Miracle Crusades and participating in them. Uh, 180 degrees away from that now, and he, he openly calls his uncle, Benny Hinn, a false teacher. I just interviewed him for my own radio program. It's amazing, amazing testimony. Uh, just a beautiful testimony to the gracious, uh, sovereign grace of God as, as he drew Costi Hinn to himself. And um, so uh, God is saving people out of the movement, but Costi will be the first to tell you that a, a genuine Christian cannot stay in the Word of Faith movement, in that deception. Uh, the deception is so egregious that a, a genuine Christian just will not stay there indefinitely. If, if a person is in that movement and they truly belong to Christ, God will bring them out. He will deliver them out of that deception. So anyway, um, but we were talking about the Word of Faith movement, the health and wealth, prosperity gospel, the last time I was on with you, and, and we touched a little bit on... A, um, false teachers, false prophets, how to discern a false teacher and false prophet and and um one of the one of the ways to know a false teacher is if you hear this person saying things like, God spoke to me, God told me this, God told me that, God told me such and such. Uh that is one of the ways that false teachers insulate themselves from any biblical criticism. They'll say, well, if you can't find what I'm teaching you in the Bible, uh, don't worry about it because I have it from the highest authority. Jesus himself came and gave me these teachings, or God spoke to me. And um, one of the things I really want to drive home with, uh, the, with the people that I teach, I really want them to understand, is not only is the Word of God inerrant, and infallible, and it is, but it is also sufficient for us. Uh, we have everything that we need in the scriptures, and when you hear someone say, God spoke to them, uh, that, that, is a, that is one of the telltale signs of a false teacher. Uh, well, Justin, if we can, I want to break down, I mean, interrupt, I want to break this down a little bit, um, because I've heard people say that before, and and. I guess sometimes they they don't always explain exactly uh, what they mean. And we have, uh, you know, um, the audible voice. uh, Sometimes they could mean that they were in the shower and they heard someone speaking to them like they were standing next to them. Versus um, something that I think most of us experience is, you know, when we pray or when when we're in the scriptures, there's an internal voice, it could be our own, um, that people equate to God also. So, are we talking about the audible voice? Are we talking about? Um, can you get into that a little bit? Yeah, sure. Uh, it, it could be both. Um, well, most false teachers, if not all of them, but certainly most of them, will claim that God speaks to them audibly in a direct, quotable sense outside of Scripture. In other words, God said, "Quote da 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 da." 
that is that is when you make a claim like that, you are delving into some very very deep waters. Because if that is true, if God is speaking to people in a direct quotable sense outside of Scripture, then by definition, the canon of Scripture is open. And Scripture is not sufficient for us because God apparently has need to give us these um, uh, directives and commands outside of Scripture. So the Scripture's written Word of God is not sufficient. Uh, And also, by definition, the canon of Scripture would be open because when God speaks, if God is speaking, God is speaking, and God cannot speak less authoritatively on one occasion than he does on another. In in other words, a lot of people say, and I've heard this from a lot of teachers, well, well, God speaks to me, yes, but that's not as authoritative as the Bible. Well, my question is, why isn't it? So when God speaks in the Bible, he really, really, really means it. But when he speaks to us today outside of the Bible, he still means it, but he doesn't mean it quite as much as he does as he did when he spoke in, in, in the written word of God and how does that work you know if God is speaking God is speaking so whatever God says to people theoretically should be just as authoritative as John 3:16 or Ephesians 2 8 9 any verse in the Bible it should carry the exact same authority so whatever God is saying to all these folks then we need to collect these statements and put them in the scriptures because they should carry the same exact level of authority. Now, God does, uh, the Holy Spirit, and maybe I should define a couple of terms here. You hear a lot of people say, well, I got revelation on this, I got revelation on that. Well, no, you really didn't because revelation is the revealing of new information that has not already been recorded in the Word of God. And that's why we call the last book in the New Testament the book of Revelation, because Jesus revealed to the Apostle John um, information that had not yet been revealed and not yet been recorded. And, of course, John did record it in the book of Revelation. So Revelation is not happening anymore today. What is happening today is illumination, and that is one of the roles of the Holy Spirit in the of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer, is that the Holy Spirit illumines the meaning of God's word of what is already written in the Bible. He illumines the meaning of God's word to our hearts and to our minds, and then empowers us to appropriate that truth in our everyday lives as we just live out a life of obedience to the commands of Scripture, to the glory of God. So, um, you know, people will, I hear people say things like, well, God, uh, this, this Scripture came to mind. Well, that's great. I affirm that. That's that's what the Holy Spirit, one of the things He does. He, he illumines the meaning of the Scriptures. Uh, God will certainly lead us. Proverbs chapter 3, 5, and 6 is very clear about that. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not into your own understanding, and all of your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. Not He might direct your path, says He will direct your path. And how 
how God does that, none of us knows. None of us can fully understand. Uh, we just trust that he does. And one of the things that I tell people in my teaching is that God spoke the universe into existence. Uh, I think he can direct our paths. Uh, he, he does that. And so we just rest in his sovereignty. Uh, God can give us burdens. God can certainly guide our thinking. Uh, we're not always aware of when that is happening. I don't think we have a, a little red flashing light or something like that that goes off in our heads when God is speaking to us uh, or God is directing our thinking or anything like that. It's just, uh, he just, he can do that. But it's always um, through the word as illumined by the person of the Holy Spirit. But uh, when you hear, when you hear a, a teacher, and, and I would include in this Benny Hinn or Joyce Meyer or uh, Kenneth Copeland, all, all these big name preachers that, you know, Joseph Prince, all of them, they all claim that God speaks to them, oftentimes audibly, but speaks to them in a direct, quotable sense outside of Scripture and gives them new revelation and things that are not in the Bible. And that is, that is one of the telltale signs of a false teacher. A false teacher will appeal to some source of authority other than the Word of God for what they teach. And, and that is true whether we're talking about Benny Hinn or whether we're talking about Joseph Smith, who started Mormonism, or Muhammad, founder of Islam. Uh, that, is, that is one of the common threads and characteristics of false teachers, they all appeal to sources of authority outside of God's Word. Absolutely. And, um, you know, we see some of the, the examples you have given us uh, in today's day and age, but the you mentioned, you know, Joseph Smith and the Book of Mormon. Um, that's a great example. And, and you know, we have debates with, with people and, and with uh, each other here in the studio uh, about this a little bit, you know, and, and why, and you said it earlier, you know, if the, the Word of God is complete that's in the Bible, then why the need for so many of these people to create their own Bibles, to create their own, uh, I mean, they're not even using the Scriptures to twist the Scriptures, they're trying to create out of whole cloth something completely different. And it does, and we've seen how it has, um, even Mormonism, the, the book of, uh, of Joseph Smith, the Book of Mormon, I mean, look at the following that that has today. I mean, look at, you mentioned Islam, look at the following that has today. It has been effective in the, you know, deception of, of millions, if not billions of people. That's exactly right. And as a little side note, uh, there's I've done some research into this and read a couple of books on it. There's a lot of very eerie parallels between the life of Joseph Smith and what he claims what happened to him, as well as the life of uh, Muhammad and his uh, own twisted version of his testimony. Both of them, Joseph Smith and Muhammad, both claim that this entity, this thing, appeared to them and gave them new revelation. And both of the men initially were scared of it but and thought it was malevolent, but then over time they became convinced, no, this really is of God. 
and we have two now, two huge false religions that were begun in eerily similar ways. Their testimonies, their stories are so very similar, and uh, it's just my own working hypothesis. There's no way we could prove or disprove this, but but sometimes I just wonder if it wasn't the very same demon that appeared to both Joseph Smith and Muhammad because we had two huge false religions that were started almost identical way. And, uh, and and though that exact thing, you know, I don't I don't think anybody uh, listening to this program is going to go off and try to start a um, you know a, a false religion per se. But that having been said, when people say God spoke to me, God told me this, God told me that, that's a very very dangerous thing. You are making a very audacious claim because. Uh, and you better be right you better be right in whatever you tell people that God told you Um, because one of the one of the signs of a false teacher is that he will say God spoke to me when in fact God did not speak those things and um, you know whether something like Benny Hinn claiming that God told him that there were nine members of the Trinity which he did uh, or claiming that God told him that uh uh, women were in, originally intended to give birth out of their sides. I mean, there's Benny Hinn has dozens of, of these statements, but we see it from from just about every person, every preacher you see on quote unquote Christian television makes these same claims, and it's very deceitful. It undermines the sufficiency of Scripture, and uh, and it also is a way of lifting them themselves up. Uh, putting themselves on a pedestal above everyone else because, oh, well, God speaks to me. He he talks to me all the time. I hear his voice. I mean, if you've ever watched Jesse Duplantis for more than about four minutes, you, you see this coming from him. And uh, it, is, it, is, it is a sure sign of an arrogant, false teacher when, when a person just starts claiming that God speaks to them. Yes. Let me ask you this, and I don't know, um, you know, what kind of research that you you've seen uh, with this, and how would you even begin to to find out, you know, uh, what's coming from where? But do you believe that the people who, I mean, some of these, especially the the, the teachers and the people who have, you know, huge ministries, and um, do, do these people, do you think that they make up the fact that they're hearing from God, or do you think that some of them actually have received audible messages? And just don't aren't, aren't discerning enough to know what where it's coming from. Uh, yes, <laughs> I would say uh, both of those are true. Uh, when it comes to false teachers, you have some that are out and out charlatans. They're out and out frauds. People like Robert Tilton and Don Stewart and Peter Popoff and uh, some of these what I call the bottom feeders of the Word of Faith movement, Health and Wealth, Prosperity Gospel out-and-out charlatans. But then you have some others, and I would include Benny Hinn with this, and Costi would affirm this as well, Benny Hinn's nephew, who has, by God's grace, become a friend of mine now. But uh, uh, you have some that are both. That, uh, For example, Benny Hinn knows that the claims that he makes are not true. 
and he knows that he has offered literally dozens and dozens of false prophecies. And so he's knowingly deceiving people, and yet at some level, there's, you know, I think there's a part of him somewhere that thinks he's doing the right thing, that has he has deceived himself. In Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 12 and 13, Paul talks about those who are deceiving and being deceived. Deceiving and being deceived. And both of those dynamics can be at work, oftentimes, even within the same person. And Benny Hanna's example, he is deceiving people actively, knowingly, and yet, I think at some level he is also being deceived himself. And so they, both of those dynamics can be at, at work in the same person. Okay. So, I, I didn't mean to take you off the thought process there. Yeah, yeah. That that answers the question. Yeah. yeah. And, and too, some of these people that think they... They hear voices. Some of it is kind of being a little too loose with our terminology, a little too loose with our lingo. I think some people will say, well, God spoke to me. They, they may not actually mean God spoke to them. So sometimes I think we can be kind of careless, but um, more often than not, people use that as, uh, as a, a way to buttress their own spiritual acumen and to try to lift themselves up. It's really, you know, what it really is is a form of modern-day Gnosticism. The, the Gnostics derive their name from the Greek word gnosis, which means knowledge, and they believe that through this secret divine revelation knowledge, one could obtain salvation and uh, spirituality, but to get this secret knowledge, they had to disengage rational thought, disengage their minds, and then they could uh, begin to hear uh, supernatural messages, supposedly from God. And that's another mark of a false teacher. False teachers will encourage you to disengage your intellect, disengage your brain, put, put the old noodle in park. And people will say, well, if you really want to go deep with God, if you want to get to the, to the deep, secret, hidden things of God, you've got to disconnect your mind, put your brain in neutral. And yet that is polar opposite of what the Bible tells us to do. Jesus says we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind. He gave us a mind for a reason. He wants us to use it. Paul says that we are to study to show ourselves approved unto God. And um, it's really tragic that for the vast majority of people who profess to be Christians, the terms doctrine and theology have almost become bad words. And people say, oh, I don't need doctrine. I don't need theology. I just, I just love Jesus. But that, that is a false dichotomy, and that, it's a very foolish thing to say because it is sound doctrine and right theology that deepens our knowledge of God. And when our knowledge of God is deepened, then that enables our love for God to be deepened. And if you love someone, you want to spend time with that person. You want to get to know that person and study that person. And it's the same way with God. If we truly love him, then we're, want to, we're going to want to get to know him. And the only way to get to know him is by knowing his word, studying his word. One of the big 
books out there right now. This is in, in so many books. Uh, James Morris, pastor of Gateway Church, has got a book out entitled Frequency, How to Hear the Voice of God. Bill Hybels has written on this. Uh, it's all throughout Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby. This notion of, of hearing God's voice, tuning in to the right frequency. And uh, there's books and books and books on written about this, how to hear the voice of God. And the, the very same people that claim that it's so important to hear God's voice, and if you don't hear God's voice, and you're somehow not spiritual, you're not a, you're not where you ought to be with the Lord. But but they don't know. They don't even know what's in the written word of God right in front of them. And to say that we've got to hear, we've got to hear these voices from God, messages from God, as if the Bible's not enough. Well, my question to people is, have you fully? Explored fully plumbed all of the depths of God's Word. Do you know everything there is to know about God's Word from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22? Have you fully explored it all? And the answer should be universally no, because I can tell you I haven't. There's a, there's a lot about the Bible I don't yet know and never will know. I can study the Bible for all day long, the rest of however many days God has for me on its earth. And I won't come close to fully plumbing the depths of, of God's Word. So if we haven't even if we haven't even fully unpacked everything in the written Word of God, why, how is it that these same people will say, well, I've got to add something more? Well, do you fully understand yeah. the Bible? Well, no. Then why do you need anything else? I mean, you, haven't, you don't even understand what's right in front of you. So, um, and, and you talked about, uh, you, you alluded to this earlier, about the uh, you know, there are some people who will dismiss some, uh, you know, a pastor saying that they heard, you know, the words from God. But there are also a lot of people out there who will feel like they're not doing something right, just as you were just describing, uh, or they're not spiritual enough or or good enough. You know, why is this not? Uh, why am I not hearing? You know, from God, and it does create. Um, it, there's a lot of things that the unintended consequences, I guess you could say, or intended in some cases. Uh, that comes from there. from teaching like this. Yes, yes, Joe, and that's actually where I was wanting to go next. I'm so glad you brought that up. You're absolutely right. I used to think back before I, I um, had an understanding of this, I would hear people say, "Oh, well, God spoke to me, Justin. God, God told me this, and God told me to tell you that you need to do such and such." And I hear all these people talking about how God speaks to them, and I would think, "I don't hear God talk to me like that." Is there something wrong with me? You know, do, do these people have a closer walk with God than I do? And is there something wrong with me that I don't hear God tell me all these things that he's apparently telling all these other folks? You know, what's wrong with me? Is it, am I, maybe I'm not even saved. And, and I guarantee you there's a lot of people listening right now, and they are nodding their heads like, yeah, yeah, I've wondered the same thing. What's wrong with me? I don't hear God talk to me like that. And I want to, I want all of our listeners to hear, to hear this, that there is nothing wrong with you in and of itself just because you're not, quote unquote, hearing God speak to you outside of the Bible. In fact, that's not how God speaks to us. He speaks to us today in His Word, in His Word. And there have been so many people who think there's something wrong with them because they don't hear God speak like all these other people claim. They think they're unspiritual. Maybe they're not even saved. And that is a that is a burden that has been placed on millions of people 
unnecessarily. Unnecessarily. And uh, so I hope people will draw some encouragement from that. There's a, a fascinating little piece of scripture, not that it's not all fascinating, it is, but pertinent to our discussion tonight out of, excuse me, Second Peter chapter 1. And Justin, I'm going to stop you there. We're up against the break, but I got this uh, down. Second Peter chapter one. We're going to pick up right here where we left off on the other side. Our guest this hour is Justin Peters. His website, justinpeters.org. That will take you to the Justin Peters ministry site and you can bookmark that site, check out their blog, um, and check out all the information that they have there and the uh, free tools of teaching that are up there as well as uh, Justin's latest book, Do Not Hinder Them. And we're going to talk more about that on the other side. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. There shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. Folks, I'm going to direct your attention to masterpreps.com, masterpreps.com. Wow. Uh, masterpreps.com, uh, the sponsor of our show, masterpreps.com. That's masterpreps.com. Take a visit there. High-quality items, made-in-America items. I mean, anything, everything you could possibly want from uh, cooking uh, utensils, uh, cooking frying pans. To, I mean, it is, it'll blow you away. Absolutely, Eric's. Uh, it's insane. I mean, wow. Look at the products. Folks, visit masterpreps.com. Again, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report family. Masterpreps.com. I mean, wow, it's insane. Masterpreps.com. Are you ready for what comes next? From all of us at Training Post in the Woods. We pray you have a healthy, safe, and prosperous 2017. And we would like to thank all of you for welcoming us to the Hagman and Hagman family. You're all a very wonderful and special group of people. Because we believe it is so important for you to work and acquire good health this year, we're going to do something that we've never done before as a thank you to you for your support. We're going to make something available that we believe everyone needs. During the month of January, anyone who invests in their health by purchasing either our American Heritage Remedies Kit, our Survivalist Natural Remedies Kit, or $200 in individual remedies of your choice, we're going to give to you our crisis remedy just in case for free. Your health must be a part of your preparation plan. We're here to help you with that journey. May God bless y'all, and may God bless America. Happy Happy New Year. Year! This is Joe Charles, the guy whose voice is heard announcing for the Hagman and Hagman Report right here on YouTube and across the Global Star Radio Network. There have been many people wondering whose music is being played during those breaks. Well, you guessed it. And we're very pleased to announce that all that music and 11 brand new songs from the CD New Jerusalem is set for release on April 10th for download on iTunes. 
means you can help support my ministry and be blessed by this awesome, inspiring recording. I have been fortunate to work with some phenomenal musicians from around the world that helped us put this recording together in the studio. Simply go to joecharlesmusic.com and click on the iTunes link. Or, if you'd rather have a CD, we'll send one right out to you. Just leave me your email and we'll get right back to you. And thanks to Doug and Joe Hagman for making this all possible. God bless. segment on this edition of the Hagman Report. Our guest this segment is Justin Peters. His website is justinpeters.org. That'll take you to the Justin Peters ministry page. And you can um, bookmark that site and check it regularly. Check the blog. Check the audio, video, and other content that he has up on his site. As well as his new book, Do Not Hinder Them. We're going to talk about that a little bit before Mr. Peters is done with his interview. Before the break, we were talking about Second Peter chapter 1. I'll let you continue. Yes, yeah, so Second uh, Peter chapter one, one beginning in verse sixteen. Peter says, "For we did not follow cleverly devised tales when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of His Majesty." Now, Paul's right there. Before I go to verse seventeen, Peter here is referring to the Transfiguration that's uh, recorded in, in Matthew's Gospel, Matthew chapter seventeen. When uh, Peter, James, and John saw Jesus transfigured, when Jesus um, uh, full and deity was was revealed, and they saw Jesus transfigured there with Moses, Elijah, so a very, uh, very dramatic experience, uh, a magnanimous privilege given to Peter, James, and John. That's what he meant when he said we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Then in verse seventy, verse seventeen, he says. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, such an utterance as this was made to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. And we ourselves heard this utterance made from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. So the transfiguration. And then he says, verse 19, But we have the prophetic word made more sure, made more sure, made more certain, Peter is referring to the written Word of God. We have the prophetic Word, the written Word of God, that is more certain than what he and James and John experienced and saw at the Mount of Transfiguration. In other words, the written Word of God is more certain even than what they had experienced, what they had seen, as recorded in Matthew 17 when Jesus was transfigured. And that is a powerful testimony to the sufficiency of God's Word. Oftentimes people get this idea that we're somehow at a disadvantage living in the day and age in which we live. Oh, if I could just have, if I could have just seen Jesus, if I could have just been with him and seen him with my own eyes, talked with him, uh, spent those three years with him like his disciples, it would be so much easier to believe. Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I go away. We have the written word of God. We are indwelt by the third person of the triune Godhead. And... There is nothing else that we need. We have the written word made more certain, even than what Peter, James, and John experienced. And so that's a powerful testimony to the sufficiency of God's word. Uh, I, I tell people often that if you really want to hear God speak to you, 
there's one way I guarantee you you will hear him speak and that is to read your Bible if you want to hear God speak to you audibly then read it out loud I guarantee you 100% you will hear God speak and uh, so the, the battle today is not so much over the inerrancy of God's word it's over the sufficiency of God's word is God's word sufficient for us and I affirm 100% because scripture affirms it yes it is God's word is sufficient um, and yet uh, even even the Shaq movie that's out right now it's a, a blatant attack on the gospel on the and, and on the sufficiency of scripture um, I was watching TBN the other night they were interviewing the author of the Shack, William Paul Young, and uh, Matt and Laurie Crouch, who are now the presidents of TBN that Paul and Jen Crouch have died, uh, just gushing on and on, slathering praise on the Shack, this great movie. It's gonna, they said it's going to change the world. It's going to change the world. So it, it's like they, they, they are so excited about this movie and that betrays in them a, a serious uh, lack of confidence that they have in, in God's word. So the shack is going to do something that the Bible can't do. And uh, it's a, whether most Christians would admit it or not, uh, we have a very a low view, I say we, uh, professing, many professing believers have a very, very low view of the Word of God, and, and I really want to drive people back to the Scriptures, back to doctrine, back to theology, because it is only when we understand God rightly that we can truly live out His will for our lives and live a life of obedience that glorifies Christ and adorns the Gospel. Yeah, uh, absolutely, and you know, uh, with the last guess, I was just saying this from my own experience, um, and would you, uh, not to get off track from my own thoughts, but you know, one one of the most effective ways of reading scripture for me, and I know a lot of people have smartphones, and, and if you don't have smartphones, there's other ways you can go about doing this, but people who do have smartphones, there's an app, the, the Holy Bible, and I'm sure there's many apps, but one of the apps that I have, you can listen it, it, it's a it's an audible um, app as well, and it will you can listen to the scriptures while you are reading them, and and for me that's the um, the most effective way. At least that's how I believe I retain most of the uh, what's in there. But I go through periods of time for months sometimes where I won't pick up the Bible at all. It's not that I don't want to or I, I don't have an interest. It's just not. I don't know. It's weird. It's like uh, going through through phases. And sometimes I have to, you know, force myself to, to go into the Bible and read. And sometimes, you know, it's the first thing I want to do when I get out of bed. I guess it depends on what kind of mood or... And I say that to say that too often I won't, you know, read the Bible when I when I don't feel like it. I guess uh, what I'm saying is we have to have a disciplined uh, regimen when it comes to these things. And without that, things can get chaotic and out of whack and... Uh, from other things that stem from not reading the Bible, from your prayer life to your thought process and, and all this. So um, I just wanted to put that out there. Yeah, yeah, thank you for that. And, and um, it, it is a discipline. You're exactly right. It's something that we need to make a daily part of our lives, set aside uh, at least some time every day uh, to 
to spend some time in God's Word. And I understand life happens. You know, we, we have days that it's just it, it just doesn't it just doesn't come together for us like we would like. But it, it it's got to be something that we crave. Uh, we are to crave the pure milk of the Word. It, it's it is our nourishment. It is our life. This is how we this is how we know God. And um, uh, and I'm, I'm troubled by people who call themselves Christians, and yet they seemingly have no desire whatsoever to to read and, and study God's word. They might, you know, watch a Christian quote unquote Christian program on television every once in a while, and might go to church on Sundays, but but reading the Bible is just not a part of their life at all. And I, I really those kind of people uh, really concern me. Uh, how could you not want to spend time with the one who created you and, and saved you? That, that's one of the hallmarks of a believer, is when a person is brought into union with Christ and is indwelt by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will cultivate in us a, de- a desire to read and study God's Word. It, it's just going to happen. And uh, if reading and studying God's Word is a regular part of your life and you come to know God's Word better, then you'll come to know God better and you won't be susceptible, nearly susceptible to false teachers. Um, you know, if you're a mature Christian, you're not going to be listening to Joel Osteen. You're, you're just not. And if you are listening to Joel Osteen, then you're not a mature believer. And I don't mean that to be ugly or well, just but, uh, let, sure. me play, let me play devil's advocate here, if I can. Okay. Um, I, I know people who are um, even, like, if you want to uh, categorize like this, better Christians than I am. Uh, but some of them do listen to Joel Osteen, and they seem to gravitate not towards the the biblical accuracy of his message, but the more uplifting parts, and, and whether it's it's scriptural or not. There seems to be some. Uh, their hearts are in the right place, but they seem to, to not. Even though they know the Bible, they seem to not catch the inconsistencies from his message to what's in Scripture, and they always look at the the positive side of things. So I think there's there's two categories of people, um, as you were saying, people who are not really mature in their faith, and then I think there's um, people who. I want to say don't know any better, but they do know better um, to a great degree. So I'm, I'm not sure what that what that means. Well, here's the thing, though. Joel Osteen is a false teacher. This is a man who has repeatedly denied the exclusivity of Christ, denied that Jesus is the only way to be saved. And Joel Osteen, is, his sermons are so profoundly shallow um, I would challenge the notion a bit that someone could really know the Bible well and think Joel Osteen is a is a good Bible teacher. I mean, it's just it's it's just not possible. Uh, his his sermons are so bad, so shallow, so superficial, and so profoundly unbiblical that if if you know if someone knows has a working knowledge of the Bible. That person's not going to have to listen to Joel Osteen for very long before there's going to be alarm bells going off everywhere with Joel Osteen. I mean, if you've heard one of his sermons, 
you've heard them all. And I listen to Joel Osteen regularly, not for edification, but just for uh, keeping current research in what I do. His sermons are so bad, so shallow, that if you have a basic understanding of the gospel, what the gospel truly is, uh, if you have any understanding of the wrath of God at all, and if you don't understand God's wrath, then I would say that you really need to, and I'm not saying you, you, I'm just saying in general, kind of a pluralistic you, in a general sense, then that person needs to examine himself to see if he's if he's in the faith, because he cannot understand the mercy of God apart from understanding the wrath of God. The mercy of God makes no sense until you first understand the wrath of God. And Joel Osteen, by his own by his own admission, never preaches on sin, never preaches about the wrath of God. Uh, I've never heard Joel Osteen present the gospel, not rightly, not not even close to being right. Uh, he's he's nothing more than a slightly Christianized version of Tony Robbins. Uh, you know, he's just he's a self help motivational speaker with a thin, very thin veneer of Christianity. Um, uh, it's, I've read his books, I've listened to him preach. Uh, to say that his presentation of the gospel is shallow would be an understatement of epic proportions. And the Holy Spirit is not a weakling. He's not a theological girly man. Those whom the Holy Spirit saves, whom God saves, he also sanctifies. Oftentimes, redemption and sanctification are used in the very same context, very same sentence. Uh, those who are redeemed are sanctified. God does not leave someone a baby Christian. You cannot remain a baby Christian for years and years and years and years and years. Uh, if, if God saves you, he sanctifies you, progressive sanctification, you're going to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Christ. And um, I've been to Joel Osteen's church. I know a lot about him. I know what he teaches. Um, you just can't have much more, any kind of a working knowledge of Scripture and our understanding of the gospel and think he's a good preacher because uh, he doesn't preach the gospel. Um, so, uh, yeah, and you're, uh, you know what you said? Just, it's very superficial. It's very thin. Uh, a lot of it is not even uh, biblical teachings, as you you accurately pointed out. It's a motivational speak a speech, you know, wrapped in a, a shred of of scripture, um, just to put things into context. Yes, uh, it's dangerous. It, it, it's it's profoundly dangerous. I think Joel Osteen is one of the most dangerous people on the planet right now. I mean, forget ISIS. Uh, Joel Osteen is followed by millions and millions and millions of people who call themselves Christians. But his he he absolutely preaches a different gospel. Again, no, he never talks about sin, never talks about the wrath of God, never talks about taking up the cross, never talks about denying yourself. All of his sermons are all about you. Every you are the center of the universe. Uh, the, the gospel is not about God. Everything is about you. God just is your cosmic bellhop, and He wants to do everything for you. Give you a better job. 
uh, get you over your here's let me give you the here's the totality of Joel Osteen's theology here it is in 10 seconds God loves you he wants to prosper you your blessing is just around the corner you just got to stay in faith you're a big door not a big tongue and that's the entirety of his theology that's it in 10 seconds and and how somebody can listen to him week after week after week after week and think that they're getting fed the word of God it's just not you cannot be a mature Christian Hebrew, read um, Hebrews chapter 5 Hebrews chapter 5 the writer of Hebrews uh, talks about how his readers uh, he said by this time you ought to be teachers but you have need again to be taught the elementary principles of the oracles of God and you have your own uh, milk and not solid food and then he says but but um, but the, the meat of the word is for the mature who because of practice have trained their senses to discern good and evil so he talks about the mature and he says to his readers you're not mature you should be you should be teaching these things but not only are you not teaching them you have need to be taught again yourselves and so he directly connects spiritual maturity uh, with discernment and anybody who you can't be a discerning Christian Excuse me, you can't be a mature Christian and lack discernment. It's just, it's a, it's a biblical impossibility. You cannot be a mature Christian and lack discernment. And that's not me. That's not, you know, don't shoot the messenger. That's coming right out of God's Word from Hebrews chapter 5. So, and anybody who thinks Joel Osteen is a good preacher is sorely lacking in discernment and therefore, according to Scripture, cannot be mature in the Lord. A mature Christian is not going to listen to Joel Osteen for any kind of edification. So, okay. that, you know, that, there's just some very hard and very sobering spiritual realities that we run up against. I mean, Joel Osteen's preaching is so bad that um, anybody who has anything beyond a very basic knowledge of the gospel would pick up very quickly something's very wrong with Joel Osteen okay um, Mr. Peters we got about we have 10 minutes left before the end of the program I know you wanted to talk about your your book um, but we can go wherever you want just wanted to let you know about the, the time oh sure sure my my book and uh, thank you for that my, my book is entitled Do Not Hinder Them A Biblical Examination of Childhood Conversion and uh, the foreword, graciously, was written by Dr. John MacArthur. Uh, the book basically deals with childhood conversions. Uh, the Southern Baptist Convention did a study about uh, two and a half years ago. They came out, and there was a precipitous decline in the number of baptisms in the SBC. And so they put together a study, and uh, the results of the study said that the only age group that is showing an increase in the number of baptisms is age five and under, five and under. And uh, basically the premise of my book is that we have got to be very, very careful before we baptize very young children simply because they have made intellectual assent to a few basics of the gospel. Uh, and yet that is how the vast majority of baptisms are done today. A preacher will say, well, do you accept, do you believe Jesus died on the cross and was raised from the dead? Yes, I do. Do you uh, accept him as your personal Lord and Savior? Yes, I do. And Well, therefore, I baptize you, my brother or sister, in the name of the 
Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, you know, usually the child goes down in the water and is raised back up. But when you look at the language of salvation in the New Testament, it is very adult-sounding language. We are to deny ourselves. We are to take up the cross. And when Jesus said, take up the cross, we've really lost sight of the impact of those words. Uh, we think of taking up the cross today as just kind of making it through some tough times. I've had a few people tell me, oh, Justin, you bear your cross well, referring to my handicap, my, my cerebral palsy. Cerebral palsy is not a cross. Arthritis is not a cross. Cancer is not a cross. Are they trials? Yes, they are, but they're not crosses. When Jesus said, take up the cross, 2,000 years ago, people knew what he meant. He was saying, you must be willing to die for the gospel if called upon to do so. You must be willing to give your life for the gospel. Uh, and they had seen crosses in action. People back then knew what a cross was. It was a place of death. It's an instrument of execution. Uh, but few of us today realize we have any understanding of what the impact of those words really were. And uh, it's so it's very adult-sounding language. The Bible compares being a Christian. It makes three analogies. If you're a Christian, you are a soldier in Christ. We don't send little kids off to battle to do to fight to go to war. We are uh, one of the the primarians. We are, well, we are slaves of Christ. We are His doulos. Uh, and if you're willing to go into a a slavery relationship, in other words, make Christ the, your your master and you're his slave, uh, that requires an adult level of understanding. And it also compares being a Christian to being in a marriage relationship. We are betrothed to Christ. We are the bride of Christ. And, you know, if, you're, if your little eight-year-old girl were to come home from school one day and say, Mommy, Daddy, um, Billy's my boyfriend, and, and one day, or, or Billy and I are going to get married. You know, would that be cute? Sure, of course it would be cute. Would that, um, would you think your little eight-year-old girl is, is sincere? Yes, as sincere as an eight, little eight-year-old girl could be about such things. But chances are you probably wouldn't be getting on the phone, calling up the church, reserving the sanctuary for the happy occasion. You know, because kids don't get married. So you look through the language of salvation in the New Testament, it is adult-sounding language. Children, by their nature, are very easily tossed to and fro. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14, the uh, book of Proverbs says that foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. And children don't think um, abstractly. They think very concretely. And it's interesting, one of the points I make in my book is that we are baptizing five, six, seven, eight-year-old children, many of whom believe in Santa Claus. I remember when I was eight years old, I believed in Santa Claus. I was baptized for the first time when I was seven. But I believed in Santa Claus, too. So we are really going to trust a child whose intellectual capacity allows for the belief in a fat man in a red suit to be pulled all around the world in one night on a on a sled pulled by a team of flying reindeer, a child whose intellectual capacity allows them to believe in the reality of that Santa Claus figure, we're going to trust that same child 
to be able to come to grips with sin, a godly sorrow over sin, per Second Corinthians 7, uh, to understand the, the wrath of God. Hey, Joel Osteen doesn't even understand the wrath of God. Um, we're going to trust that same child to, to comprehend matters of eternity, to be able to count the cost of following Christ, to, be, to, to understand that following Christ could possibly cost him or her his life one day. A child can't possibly uh, come to grips with those things, understand those things. So I make the argument in my book, yes, we are to be teaching our children the gospel. You affirm that, you teach them God's word, and you encourage them in that, but wait on baptizing them. Wait until you see evidence of conversion in their life. And in my book, I talk about the different evidences of conversion, things to look for uh, in your child or in your, uh, whether it's a, an eight-year-old or whether it's your teenager, you, there's some things to look for. Look for a godly sorrow over sin, an increasing pattern of holiness, a love for the Lord, a love for God's Word, a love for the brethren, a desire to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, a de- decreasing pattern of sin, an increasing pattern of holiness. These are, these are, this is what a Christian looks like. And until you can see these evidences of conversion, fruit of regeneration, uh, then your child's not ready to be baptized. So, um, and you look through the New Testament, nowhere in the New Testament do you see children being baptized. It's just not there. Children are never referred to in the New Testament as disciples. It's just not there. This phenomenon of baptizing young children is something relatively new. Started with Charles Finney in the 1800s, and it's become so commonplace now that few people even uh, have any questions about it. But, but what we see in the Bible is very, very different from what's going on in in the vast majority of our evangelical churches. And so what you're saying is you should wait till somebody is is mature enough to understand um, what it is that they're uh, they should make their own choice. Yes, wait until and I say but wait until your child is at least well, well into his teenage years. How does your child handle temptation? You know, you're not going to tempt a, a seven year old boy with booze and premarital sex. But you add 10 years to that, 10 or 11 years when he's, you know, I mean, even 15, 16, 17, 18, then those things are going to have a whole lot more sway over him than they did when he was seven. Then see how he does it, how he handles things. How does he handle temptation? A genuine Christian will have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit who enables us to, not that we have a Christian never sins, but a Christian does not live a pattern of habitually unrepentant sin. Christian has the ability to withstand temptation. See how he does. Uh, you know, see how if he's truly living a godly, holy life, well into his teenage years, and he has a love for the Lord, love for the brethren, love for Scripture, all these things. Then you might consider uh, baptism. But you just there's no way to tell if that has that the miracle of regeneration has taken place. There's no way to tell that. In, a, in an eight-year-old. Plus, for that matter, I have a whole chapter in my book devoted to what happens to babies and children, young children who die. And I would argue that the Bible says that they go to heaven anyway because they haven't yet reached a, a, a 
an age in which they're morally accountable uh, for their sins. So I flesh all of this stuff out in my in my book. Do not enter them. And can you? We have uh, about thirty seconds left. Where can people go to get your book? Is it on Amazon? I know it's on your website, JustinPeters.org. Um, anywhere else? I guess? Yes. Uh, yes, they can get it on Amazon. It's a little bit better for the ministry if, if they'll get it off of my website, JustinPeters.org. But um, but either either place, either place. I just I want people to have the truth and be equipped. All right. Well, Mr. Peters, thank you so much for for spending your time with us tonight. Um, it was a very informative interview, and we look forward to having you on in the future. All right. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate the invitation. Absolutely. Thank you. Again, that was Justin Peters of justinpeters.org. Uh, bookmark his site. Check out his book and uh, some of the teachings that he has on there, as well as the blog that's on there. And that'll do it for us tonight. Again, folks joining us through Global Star or Blog Talk Radio. We were dark on YouTube tonight. We had some some problems configuring the YouTube, which was the, the first time we ran into these kind of problems. But we will put the archive up there, and uh, we should be ready to, to rock and roll tomorrow. Tomorrow we have uh, Richard Gage from Architects and Engineers for 9-11 Truth coming on, so you're not going to want to miss that show. I want to thank all of you for joining us tonight. Until tomorrow, stay safe, God bless, and have a great evening. 